Hi, this is Michelle Fife, creator of Copra, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Hello folks, welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. This is episode 859. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a minute. Um, this is all sounding a little weird to you all, I'm sure, but uh, that's because our, uh, our brother, our co-host, our producer, Vince B, is uh, spending time with the family. So, I am David A. Price. And of course, I am Jeff the Landshark. You are not Jeff the Landshark, everybody. This is Jason Wood. What's up? And as we as we hinted last week, we have a very special guest uh, making her return to the fourth chair. Uh, I guess third chair tonight, but uh, normally we call it the fourth chair. Um, someone who we had an absolute ball talking to a few years back, and uh, and a lot has happened in uh, in her career since then. Um, you no doubt have been following her 50-issue triumphant run in Captain Marvel. She also wrote, in my opinion, one of the best runs on Black Widow that we've ever seen. Uh, Of course, more recently, and we'll get into that here tonight, she has been making her triumphant return to create her own comics with Black Cloak and soon The Call. And uh, certainly, last but not least, she is making the jump over to the distinguished competition to resurrect uh, one of my favorite, uh, I guess we'll call it a, a, a B-list team, just because I would say the, G- the JSA and JLA are probably the A-listers, but still one of my favorites, the Birds of Prey. Please welcome back to the show, Kelly Thompson. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hello. Yeah, welcome back. It's February back. February 2019. Oh, uh, wow. was, yeah. Um, we got we to talk so about... Oh, my God. And, <laughs> yeah, and it was... Pre pre pandemic. Pre pandemic. I mean, that's really what I mean by yes. aging. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, we I, we 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 everything we we're talked about. Twenty years older now. Yeah, we're all twenty <laughs> years older now. Yeah. We had the Nancy Drews. We, oh, it, it, and 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 as Jason said, I mean, at, when when you were on last time, we got to talk about everything up to that point. Um, Hard shaped box, Nancy Drew, the uh, Mister Mrs X, your X Men work, and then yeah. Um, since you've been gone, we, we, we had a phenomenal run on Captain Marvel and um and and Vince and I absolutely love Black Cloak. Um and congrats on that and congrats on the upcoming Birds of Prey as Jason Jason referenced. But I mean since then we've you've had some, you've had Deadpool, uh you had a story in, in, in Silver Coin, uh the Black Hammer Visions, you did some Wolverine, Jason mentioned Black Widow already, you did some Spidey, which I was happy to see. So I mean it's it's been you've been busy. I have been busy. I have been busy. Um, 
I've done a lot of great projects. I, you know, Black Widow was obviously one of my favorites. Um, like, it was it was such a sort of passion project, but you know, when I was dreaming of writing it, I never imagined I'd be getting to do it with Elena and Jordy uh, doing art and colors, and the two Raphaels who did incredible work for us um, on some alternate issues. And one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do was when we did that sort of flashback issue mm-hmm. in the middle of the arc with the different art style, which worked really well, I thought, but especially Jordy was the one who really, um, she was the one who really brought that all together to me because Raphael did incredible work. I was super happy with it. We were all happy with it. But when I was looking at it, when it was complete, it was beautiful, but I was like, I don't know if it completely works. And Jordy was starting in on the colors and we had talked a little bit about using a sort of zip-a-tone effect or a half-tone effect to make it, you know, give it this aged quality. And I just didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know if I was explaining myself right. I didn't know if she got it or whatever. And we did have to go through a couple passes, as I recall, to sort of get it right. And then I was like, listen, I trust you. Just, I think you know what I want. Just go in there. I know you can do it. And what she came back with was was so brilliant it totally tied it 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 made Raphael's art just completely sing but it just completely made the idea work and um it's it's maybe my biggest regret because I'm a younger writer I'm not a young person but I'm a younger writer in comics um you know when we won the Eisner for that I really regret not making a huge five alarm fire out of the fact that Jordi Belair did not get an Eisner for that. Like she didn't Hmm. get a statue and I just, it's a crime. (laughs) Like I just, I mean, would any of the books, like if you're an Eisner winning book, if you're even an Eisner nominated book, don't tell me the colors aren't a huge part of while you're there. It's a, it's a whole piece. Everyone on that team should get the Eisner. And I, I regret not saying anything. I think I, I talked myself into, you know, don't be the new kid who's making a fuss. You'd probably like to win another Eisner again. Maybe you shouldn't make everyone mad at you. And I talked myself out of it, and I've regretted it. I've regretted it. Um, well, I mean, that's very kind of you. And I think I think the if there's one solace, it's that Jordy, um, I mean, she's won at least two that I can think of, and I'm and sure she she'll gets, win many more. She gets nominated all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, I mean, yes, it's personally for me, it's about Jordy, of course, yeah. because I think she's fantastic, and because she deserves it, but it just speaks to a larger thing, and I know we talk about these things a lot in credits on a cover, credits on a spine, credits on a collection, the order in which the credits are done, like all this stuff we talk about, but uh, it never even occurred to me that Jordy Belair wouldn't get an Eisner for the work she did on Black Widow if we won. Like, it was mm-hmm. incredible. We wouldn't have been there without her. Like, it's just, it's as absurd to me as saying we would have won without Alina or without me. Like, it was a huge part of the book. And I wouldn't argue that coloring is always that big a part of the book, but it was for ours. And I would argue that most books that make it to an Eisner nomination, it is that yeah. big a part of it. Because it all, everybody has to pull. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's like being in a boat together. If one person isn't pulling, it's not working, you know? Right. So, right. yeah, anyway. Or like a five string, like, or like a five string, or, you know, it's like, it's, it's, if one's, one's out of tune, it's, it's noticeable, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, no. I don't mean to be a 
a fucking downer or whatever. <laughs> and now I'm cussing. It's been a long week. I got to. Oh, you, you can. Yeah, we are R rated. So yeah. no worries. <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, I, yeah. I have to say, I mean, that that series was just magic to me. And, and you know, um, I just think that uh, uh, selfishly, you know, I wish there was there was even more of it. Um, but yeah, what you all too. did do was just amazing. And and, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, um, you know, uh, uh, is it so? You said Elena. I, I guess I thought it was. Or you said Elena. I thought it was. But 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 Elena Casagrande. I mean, her art is just timeless. And then you know, like you said, the Pimentel fill-in issue was was very memorable because of just very nice to see the juxtaposition and visual style, given that it was a different time period. But the whole thing was just awesome. And I, you know, I want to commend you. And and I, you know, I probably mentioned this years ago. Not that you would remember, but I'm a huge Deadpool fan. And you know, I also note that I think that that the hardest thing um, to do as a writer is is comedy because. I think comedy is far more subjective than anything else. Um, it's just a wider range of what people think is funny or don't. And mm-hmm. so I always think it's a daunting task to take on a character like Deadpool. that's so front and center funny. Um, and I think you did excellent with that as well. And, and again, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's always sort of a personal litmus test. I'm like, Oh, someone's, someone's going to write a Deadpool run. Let's see how they do. You know? So, uh, <laughs> so, so thank you for that, for both of those. I mean, just, <clears throat> just great entertainment. I've, I had a blast with them. Well, thank you. Um, I think on the Deadpool thing, I mean, I agree with you about the the humor thing. I mean, unfortunately, something like sense of humor and writing jokes, I mean, there's nothing I can really do about that. Like, you find my take on Deadpool funny or you don't. Like, you know, I can't. I can't help people who, like, aren't in that groove with sure. me. So while you worry about that a lot i certainly did i'm like oh my god i'm not funny this is not gonna this is not gonna go well you know all the things you freak out about it was sort of pointless to worry about it because i knew i couldn't do anything what am i gonna do write it different (laughs) but what was what was daunting on deadpool was just he's been everywhere and he's done everything and it's so hard to tell new stories with him and we were so excited when we sort of burrowed into this you know it started as a sort of a seven samurai story where he's sort of assembling a weird team to fight a thing and we ended up with the king deadpool thing and it was just so rich and it just spoke so much to things that go on with deadpool but also let us like play with really funny things and it was a great time um there's a writer uh michael miller who wrote a a non-fiction book i guess you call it it's full of interviews and um it's got some religious stuff in it and everything i I, i'm sorry i don't know the final title of it or whatever but he's got a chapter about deadpool and specifically the king of the monsters uh arc and so he interviewed for me me for it and i'll tell you what when he sent me the chapter to check it out i cried i cried because it was so amazing for someone to get it you know because you're out here writing your little Deadpool story and you want people to laugh. You want people to buy the book. You want people to laugh. You want to create these cool moments for Deadpool that really get remembered and that like help define him as a character. Like you want to do all that stuff, but you know, we were also trying to talk about monsters and what makes people monsters and why Deadpool isn't one, you know, and how it's actions and all this stuff. And like, you know, not a lot of people talk about that stuff. So seeing like this very smart academic guy talk about it i was like oh my god i feel so validated so now i feel validated on two fronts the jokes and the theme nice <laughs> we nailed it why didn't we you get did. more than 10 issues uh, damn. <laughs> 
sets always the way. Well, I mean, you, you it, you know, you, you've, you've done it. You joked that you were, or you commented that you were a, a newish writer to comics, but you certainly now had a, a, a really solid run and, and gotten a chance to do and touch on a lot of different books. Um, you know, what, what is the experience with that in terms of, of working at Marvel and then I guess now DC, but, but you're new there in terms of handling the, I guess the somewhat unknown of how long you're going to have. I mean, I, I assume sometimes they do, do they like, do you know at a minimum they're going to give you say 10 issues, two arcs. So for sure, you know, you've got that much room to work with, or is it a, is it less, is it more nebulous than that when you go into most, most titles? Well, so it, it's. I think the thing you have to know is that it's sort of constantly changing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to, before the pandemic, they wanted X, and now they want Y. So I, I don't think there's a hard and fast. They're sort of constantly looking at a changing market and mm-hmm. figuring out what they can make inside of it. But typically, when stories get launched, <laughs> when a new book gets launched, you might, if you're not told it's a mini outright, you're probably told like 10 to 12 issues um so like for example that's what happened to me on hawkeye hawkeye was the first book i was given that was like a book i built i had been given or i had inherited rather um a force after i had come off the co-write with kelly sue DeConnick on captain marvel and the carol Corps. i'd inherited a force because uh g willow wilson had a family emergency and she basically had to leave the book so i got that and during that time I was building this new Hawkeye book with Sana and um, when we finally got the green light it was that we were getting 12 issues and I felt really great about that because 12 seemed like a lot because it mm-hmm. first got cancelled at 10 and I'd only been involved in a mini and I know how these things go, it's hard to launch these books so then I part way through it wasn't going great I don't know if you remember that I mean Hawkeye was very critically acclaimed we got nominated for an Eisner for that we had really good word of mouth and everything and we were doing pretty well among the new titles but I don't know if you guys remember it was like a whole bunch of sort of all new titles launched in that same like year or so and it just it was I think it was feeling to the comics line as a whole like they had done too many where it was like young heroes or new heroes or more diverse heroes taking over and so it was like the line was feeling crowded with that or something i don't know and so we were in trouble along with a lot of those other titles and then they told us we were going to cancel us at 10 and i was like you guys i can't even wrap this up at 10 like you got to at least give me 11 and so i reworked it so that we could wrap in 11 and then we got sort of a hail mary save and they greenlit us for five more issues to to 16 and so we had a we had a fill in with michael walsh before that final arc and that's i'm sorry to say how it happened on captain marvel too like we were popular we were strong we were above the line of getting canceled and we kept doing that like they i think they kept thinking we were gonna fall too far but we kept getting it we kept it kept coming back we would we were sort of after the first two arcs which was um the 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 arc where they like fight nuclear man or whatever and then there was a tie-in to um the all the thor stuff that was happening at the time with jason aaron's thor stuff and so they thought we were going to be canceled after that and then 
and then the star arc was like a huge hit and so we bought this time and then the last avenger arc was a big hit and so then we were sort of rolling and these things were happening but you know immortal hulk was happening at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah. it just wasn't the same thing that was happening to them where they were so popular and so critically acclaimed that it was that marvel could look at it and be like okay you guys have bought yourself, you know, to issue 40 or 50 or whatever it was going to be. Like, maybe they didn't tell him they were making it to 50, but they gave Al a lot of room there to, like, build his thing. But we never had that rope. We had, okay, you got another arc. Go mm. go for it. Go for it. Can you make it happen? And we're like, okay. <laughs> and we, like, get our crap back together, and we pitch another arc, and we dig in. And, and then that just kept happening. And um, I think it was when we were in the high 30s. They were like, okay, we're going to make it to 50. Like, just nice. make, make the plans for... And that's why I was able to plan for that sort of bigger brood arc mm-hmm. to wrap us up and then the issue 50. Um, and so that took us through, like, 43 to 50. So it's it's different for every book. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Al and I were doing the same thing at the same time that from the outside looks like they were equally successful in a way, but you know, his was way more successful and thus they were doing theirs a bit differently. Um, so I think having to do it that way dictated some of our choices and that's probably both good and bad. You know, it probably, made us make some smart choices and kept us a little leaner and a little smarter than maybe we would have been if we'd sort of gotten fat and happy on the idea of, you know, oh, look at the 25 issues ahead of us. We could do anything, you know. Um, Sometimes that can get you in trouble. But I would have loved to develop, you know, some more B and C plots that had a little more depth and intensity to them and complexity. You know, there's almost there's only so much you can do when you have to reinvent everything every five or six issues. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's, I, and it's obviously the the business, the industry has changed over the years. I'm just I, as you're talking about it and how you have to kind of plan things out in short bursts or increments. And I, I'm I'm thinking about and again, I know it's a different day and age, but I'm thinking about back then with whether it's you know, Peter David on Incredible Hulk or uh, just. Anybody like that, where you just, where you're just writing stories because it's a it's a monthly serialized work, and, and you're just telling stories because you're just telling stories because they're going to keep going. But nowadays, because Deadpool going to ten issues, Black Widow going to however many issues, and you're just you're kind of it, it. It has to. I I don't know if it's. I don't know how frustrating it might be, and I don't know. Obviously, you have number crunchers and, and bean counters, but to it, it's almost like, and I'm not blaming the editors, but it, I don't know why you want to kind of yeah, handicap I mean, your creators because they just want to tell you want to tell good stories that people are going to be well, invested in. It's definitely not the editors. I mean, let's I didn't just, think so. Yeah, right. let's be clear. The editors are the editors. I mean, they're I mean, your biggest cheerleaders, you, I would think. You can get a bad editor for sure. I mean, that can happen. Um, I've certainly had it happen. Um, I'm sure it will happen again to me. Um, you know, having a bad editor reminds you why good editors are so important. They're they're vital. And most of the editors at Marvel, and I would bet at DC too, are in there just fighting for their creators, fighting for their jobs, fighting for their rates, fighting for the best possible story. Um, 
they're super invested. Um, I, it's money people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people mm-hmm. way higher up the chain than that. And and I don't even think I don't even I'm not even trying to paint anyone with a big, broad bad guy brush I think they have jobs to do and their jobs are different than mine and their jobs are about shareholders and budgets and bottom line and sales charts and my job is sales chart plus good story and then hopefully you get as close to both of those things as you can but you know it's very hard as the creator to watch these things happen and to not be in control and sometimes it's really heartbreaking but you know in the time I was at Marvel and in all the people I met there um, I really even people that I didn't really like that much or that I don't really vibe with they just really love comics man they just like everyone I interacted with even the higher up people who would come to the summits and stuff they really care about comics. They like comics. I'm not saying that makes them right all the time. They're human beings and they have blind spots. And like I said, they are answering to different, you know, gods than, than I am. I mean, they're one of the gods I have to answer to, but you know what I mean? Like it's, they have different jobs than I do. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think anyone is out there trying to fuck things up. It's just, a really hard business that has a niche audience that gets splintered more and more all the time. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to make a su- sustainable life out of this. It becomes even harder with the things going on with AI and mm-hmm. strikes and everything. I mean, it's a, it's a grim picture right now. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, there's, there's more avenues for artists than ever in the sense of Kickstarter and things like that. But you know, especially with the huge ramp up of AI in the last couple months. I mean, you know, if I was an artist, I mean, just putting your art out there feels like a huge risk now because, you know, is your style going to be the style in, in five years that everything looks like because AI was trained on it? Like, Oof, I, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's dark. It's dark as an artist right now. And, and coming right out of um, the pandemic into this is... Uh, it's yeah, I, I will Sorry, say this I guess, is not a super up interview. I no, 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 no. I would say relative to AI, I mean, you know, because uh, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time trying to understand it for my quote unquote day job. And um, I mean, I will say that that, you know, any any seismic change like this is going to have uh, material impact. Some, you know, bluntly speaking, right? History tells us some some jobs will be uh eradicated right some will, yeah, will yeah, alter no. and and then others will crop up like there will be new types of but but i guess because i love art so much and because my dad's an artist and i i would like to think that at least when it comes to things like comics or animation where so much it, it, yes there is the, the technical aspect of of rendering the drawings but as you all know better than we do there is an a magic to the storytelling aspect and you can give a machine, all the prompts in the world, and it's still not going to have the life that a talented artist is going to bring to the project. So I, I'd like to think that at least in 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 areas where you're storytelling, doing sequentials, portraying uh, like a, 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 a moving narrative, I'd like to think that it's it's more insulated than than creators fear. But I, I understand so. a lot of creators like are moving you know paycheck to paycheck and, and are freelance. And yeah. So I understand the fear. I, I totally get the fear, but. 
I'm hoping it's you not know, I, as dramatic as that. I think, you know, nobody wants to be out here being the guy who's like, automobiles are wrong. The horses are just <laughs> like, so, you know, I get it. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you don't want to be the guy standing in the road like that, but the ethics of it are pretty murky right now. And sure, it very much sure. feels like we're plunging headlong into it without really understanding it. And that's maybe a, a false that's maybe a false narrative because I'm sure lots of people understand it very well, but it's been sent out into the population and we don't really understand yeah. it. So, no, that, that is for sure. And, and Kelly, I don't know if you're a member of the Writers Guild as well as, as doing comics, but but I know that obviously with the Writers Strike, I have a few friends that are Guild members and, and, and so have been paying reasonably close attention to what, what they're trying to yeah. deal with. And, and certainly, as, as I'm sure you know, as a writer, even if you're not part of the Guild, the, the, um, the, there is the, you know, that one of the talking points on the writer side is, is, is really putting some some framework and some guardrails around AI um, to at least make sure that this doesn't just become a maelstrom of like everybody getting. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, we'll, I, since, since they seemingly both sides haven't made any progress on their negotiations, I have no idea how that's going to fall out, but I, I do applaud yeah. them for, for making it a point front and center um, yeah. b- because, you know, certainly if these negotiations had happened nine months ago, it probably wouldn't have even been a talking point. So I, I, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. smart for them to try and, but um but with all that said, I mean, I will say that that you know you you certainly like you said you you you've, you were a Marvel exclusive for I think what's four four years right or is it yeah four, it was five like years? four or five years yeah. or something like that I think it was 2018 when I signed okay. the first contract I think so mm-hmm. yeah and then you know but I've been working with them mostly them um, since gosh 2015 so yeah mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big weird change it's been an emotional change for me I'd love to be like oh no I just walk away and I go over here and I do my other thing but mm-hmm. I get very I'm very susceptible to the oh but we're family which is really dumb because you know it doesn't ha- it doesn't help you in negotiations it doesn't help you in all sorts of things but I do get very attached uh, particularly because you know I love the Marvel characters and it's something that's very I'm very attached to since I was, you know, a teenager. So, um, but I have to say it's been really fun. It's been really fun to dive into something new. I mean, not that I haven't been reading DC comics all along. Um, you know, they were a big part of, they weren't my first love in comics. That was mostly X-Men, but Mm -hmm. did not, does not take you long to find Batman when you're 15. So, you know, um, I I love those characters. I love that, and it's the one downside when you sign an exclusive is you know that you do not get to play in that pool for a while. So um, it's really exciting to get to do that now. It's a little intimidating, too, but um, I will say that DC has been um, amazing. Like, you know, when I wrote the pitch for this Birds of Prey, I was like, well, I mean, I'm just going to put all my favorite fucking characters in this because I don't know. Like, what will I, how will I ever get a chance to write this book and these characters again? I don't know. So let's just put everyone I want in here. And then I didn't, I, I think on some level, I didn't really expect them to say yes. I mean, I knew, I knew it was a good pitch, but I was just like so blithely just doing whatever I wanted, um, which doesn't mean that it doesn't tie into a lot of Birds of Prey stuff. And like, I'd love to, I love to think that they just saw the pitch and they were like, it's so good. We can't say no. But um, yeah, they, they said yes. They said yes to basically everything I asked for. And then uh, when we were talking artists and stuff, 
like Leo is always on my list. He's the top of my list every time. I think he's a genius. I think he's highly underrated. Um, and I couldn't believe for a minute that we got him. And then when Jordy came on, I was like, okay, this is, I was like, I might be dead and like, <laughs> this happened or something like something might've, maybe I'm in a coma somewhere and I'm unaware of it because it's just going so well. And like, the pages Leo turns in. He sent some things last night, and I mean, I was just cackling with delight at this double-page spread from issue two. It's so smart and fun. It's just such an incredible. I, I honestly, I when you know we had such a really good rollout with the character releases on social media. For sure. But part of me, and I was having to tamp this down because I was trying to be cool, but I would get sort of mad when people would be getting mad about it in partly because I was just like, you people don't deserve Leo. Like not, <laughs> not because they were even saying anything about him specifically. Most people were really complimentary, but when people were bitching about the book because so-and-so isn't in it, or I don't want Harley or whatever the thing. And I just thought, you guys don't know how fucking great this book looks and it's mm-hmm. so fun. And you're making me feel like you don't deserve it. Like Leo deserves, no one to ever say a bad word to him ever. He's just such a thoughtful, great comics maker. It's it's pure fun with him, and I'm very lucky. That's awesome. I, I was a huge fan of of, of Gale's run on Birds of Prey. Uh, it's, in fact, it was one of the earliest. Because like you, I was a Marvel zombie for for many <laughs> many years before I read other comics, and then I so I was you know reading reading Marvel as a as a as a teenager, and then really didn't read DC in earnest until I was probably close to like thirty years old. And you oh know, wow. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's but, be clear. You said mm-hmm. that was like me, but that wasn't me. I was reading DC when I was a teenager. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Because you mentioned <laughs> you, you mentioned loving the X Men and stuff. So no, no, first, no, no. X Men were like my intro for sure, and gotcha. they were my first love. And I, they're still my prime love in comics. I still mm-hmm. grab back to them more than anything. But what I was trying to say was, and said it badly. I'm sorry. It's just you know, I mean, you're in the comic shop and you're curious. It doesn't take you long. When your X Men isn't in to be like, oh, I, I know about Batman. Let me let me see, you know. For sure, and, for sure. And for someone my age, DC had DC and Image had far more. I mean, they were often those horrible bad girl books that were not good. And I include DC in this. I mean, the Jim Ballant Catwoman. <laughs> I mean, I read all of that, and I don't even know if I liked it back then. But um, you know, they, there weren't a lot of solo female titles i mean i don't know that marvel had any in the 90s that i was reading and when they did they came with art that was sort of as bad as the as the sort of image bad girls stuff so um you know sometimes i was just looking for that character that you can connect to right i mean like i feel like that's why i i read catwoman because she was cool and i wanted to like her and i wanted to understand that dc world of characters even though the stories didn't super connect for me. Like I wasn't super, super into it, but you know, you're always just searching. And so, yeah, that was sort of how I first got to DC was wonder woman and Batman and Catwoman. And, um, but I will say one of the, one of the nineties, or I guess it was early two thousands books is, uh, the Cassandra Cain book, uh, which I love, which is an incredible it's just an incredible comic and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are parts of it that don't age super well you know we all struggle with that but for the most part it's just a really good book it's a really smart character it's very cool 
Yeah, I, I, I think your team. I lo- so so. Dave is probably going to snicker because one of my favorite tropes in any storytelling, but particularly comics, is the getting the band together idea. You know, so <laughs> I love launches of new team books for that reason because inherently you have to introduce like how are they forming, and I just I, I could eat that up. You could give me a comic that's objectively like terrible, but if it's about getting a team of people together, I'm here for it. Um, so like I live for I live for 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 the the team reveals. So I have to say like and and, and for me like I think. Like if I again, if I were sort of master of the comics universe, I would want teams to be a mix of the classic members and then new members t- to keep yeah. it interesting. And I feel like that's what you went for. So, yeah. um, so a- unless I'm missing any, I think what we at least what I saw is that the team is confirmed to be uh, Black Canary, which which certainly makes a ton of sense as the like the, the classic leader, um, Cassie Kane, aka Batgirl, um, and then and then we get interesting. We get to Harley Quinn. Which which makes sense, uh, given her you know popularity and general awesomeness. And then I think the two the two X factors that oh that's cool like I didn't expect that are Big Barda and a Zealot, which I think like that's the deepest cut and I love to see it. So um, like <laughs> like what what was you said you sort of threw out a list and then they were like yeah cool I mean um, like is there anything in particular about those characters and your experiences as a reader that made you want to choose them specifically? Um, I'm just curious like how it came together. Well, so issue one is very much the build the team issue, so yes. you'll enjoy that. Um, and it's a little oversized, 25 pages, Excellent. so extra fun. And that was part of why we did the, you know, there are some, you know, one of the things when you build one of those team issues is that that's really fun and you hope that people like it. I mean, I am a nerdy geek too, so I, of course, like that, but it's not often enough to like hang the whole issue on especially because the team's on the cover right so you've blown your reveal and so that was why we did that whole social media launch i was like listen this is a weird team so let's make some let's make it work to our advantage let's make some hay out of it if we run this in solicits without doing anything then it's blown we're done like oh it's announced there it is and then everyone's going to say whatever they're going to say about it so let's turn it into a little event and it worked so well (laughs) way better than i thought i wasn't sure because you know twitter's pretty broken these days i wasn't sure how well it would go but it went great and um yeah so first issue is building that team and then i i was very excited that i didn't see a single person so i read thousands of tweets and things and articles and all this crap that week and i didn't see a single person mention zealot and i was so excited because even though that meant she was way more obscure which maybe is not the smartest idea um i just felt like we'd really finally tr- it's so hard to trick comic fans they they know everything they're such nerds they're all <laughs> they're all well read and they know what they're talking about i mean let's be real not all of them but yeah mm-hmm. a lot of them are really well read and they really know what they're talking about and they often know more than i do because i don't have time to read every little thing you know sometimes so i was very happy that we sort of got one over on them nobody expected zealot um but you know it's hard to put your cast out there especially when they trend super white and your only character of color is fully masked come on cassandra um so i felt a little worried about the sort of diversity angle but it's one of those things where you feel like a 
that's not the whole team. There is more diversity there. We're just not really seeing what the book is really going to look and feel like yet. There are still surprises that we're hiding. Mm-hmm. There are things I think people will be excited about and things that change sort of the way the book works. But, you know, you can only do what you can do. I appreciate that people are sort of taking it on faith. I've seen a lot of really people who are like, well, I'll read the first issue and see. And honestly, I that's all I would ever ask for. Yeah, I think like, that's if fair. You're not, yep. If you don't get it or don't like what we're doing in the first issue, you absolutely should leave. Because mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's much like Hawkeye issue one. We know what we are from page one, issue one. Like, that's the book. There's no... There's no uneven footing as we figure out what our vibe is or we figure out who we are. We know exactly who we are, and it's there on page one. And so you'll either be into it by page 25 or you won't, and that's fine. What more could I ask for, right? Um, And so the team is weird. I think the team is very serious and very powerful because it's a very serious mission. There's a lot at stake Um, personally for Dinah among other things and so she builds a really aggressive team and then but you know Zealot (laughs) Zealot and Cassandra would if they had their way never speak Barda speaks strangely and she's a little (laughs) unpredictable she's still got sort of a fish or a stranger in a strange lamb vibe just a little bit right Um, Mm -hmm. and then Dinah I, I would say Dinah is pretty normal. Like she's not a chatty character, but she's also not a laconic character. And then, so who do you need? I mean, honestly, people who don't like Harley, I get it, but trust me, I'm the writer. We needed her. Yeah, the, yeah. The book, the book really works. But when I was writing it, and Leo agreed, actually, he was like, I didn't really expect it, but but uh, Harley was really fun here, and I agree with him because water and water isn't interesting that's why you need oil (laughs) you need that oil to go with that water it's the same reason that you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer the Scooby gang needs Cordelia without Cordelia it's like everyone hugging all the time Mm. or it's like everyone is on the same page all the time everyone is too supportive you need someone there to go wait what if you're wrong or I'm not sure I believe you like you need that contrast and um, there's a little bit of it there. I think Barda is a pretty good character. She speaks truth to power whenever she wants. That's so she's got that vibe, but it really the book really came alive with Harley. And I think it worked before she comes in, but it works even better once she arrives. And I hope people will agree. I I the funniest thing I've seen in the commentary is everyone being concerned it's gonna become a Harley Quinn book, and that is never gonna happen like i don't Mm want to i don't want to insult harley fans because i like harley quinn i think she's a really interesting character i enjoy writing her i think i write a version of her that people are gonna like she's my least favorite character on the team there's no fucking way it's becoming harley quinn in the birds of prey (laughs) like i like if anything it was gonna become big barda in the birds of prey or sandra kane in the birds of prey like it's just not even a it's not even a thing that even crossed my radar because I know how I feel about the characters. So it's really funny to watch people get super upset about that. And I'm like, Harley, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like hardly. You be, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should be worried about Barda maybe. <laughs> and I've, I've seen the, um, 
the the preview pages you've or, or, or at least some of the panels you've shared on your Substack, and it I mean just you know, unlettered, just pure black and white line work. It looks absolutely amazing. Right, that double page spread with the Deluca effect with all yes. those black mm-hmm. black canaries and Cassandra Canes uh, fighting. Ugh, mm. so gorgeous. that's page four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's page four and five, but I'm just saying, like, we hit the ground running. We do not stop. It's a it's a super fun book. I hope people, I hope people are going to flip out about it. It's I'm worried so about too. it because it's our first thing over there, but it's hard for me. I don't know. I had one real gut check moment the the week of the the release when people were getting so mad about Babs and Huntress not being in it. I expected it with Babs. And I knew I'd hear a lot about Huntress not being in it, but I did not expect it to be as intense as the Babs stuff, hmm. which, which I had come prepared for. But the Huntress took me by surprise, the the level of intensity that, that, that people were mad she wasn't there or interested in her being there. But um, what I, <laughs> I, I never really was worried about it because I was like, I've, I've seen the issue. Like, I know how good it is. They're just going to like it. It's so good. It's so fun and cool. And then I was like, oh, wait. That's what I thought about West Coast Avengers, number one. And I still feel that way. I think that's a great first issue. I love it. Sully's art is so good. It's so fun. It's so cool. It, like this, knows what it is. And so then I freaked out. That was my first freak out where I was like, oh, shit. Am I just... Is this going to happen to me all over again? I don't think it is, but it did give me pause because mm-hmm. was, sometimes the issue being great, it doesn't matter. Sometimes yeah. it's just not what the market will bear, and like I'll be all it will break my heart. It will break my heart if 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 that's what happens here. But I I hope it's going to go another way. I feel I like think it will. We'll I, mean, sure I it hope will. so too. We yeah. I mean we are. I, I can't say that the our 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 podcast community is 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 indicative of the broader comics community, but but it certainly can say with with absolute clarity that that our our community is super stoked for it, and uh, I think they have impeccable taste. They so did, yeah. hopefully they, they know what good shit's all about. That's good. That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, now, sure. We've got we've got probably two of like the biggest. So uh, a lot of our 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 hardcore listeners and patrons are also big original comic art collectors, and two of them are absolutely massive Barda fans. Where like if you <laughs> ever see like Barda original art or sketches show up on the internet, chances are. They're they're for one of these two gentlemen, and so they were just like over the moon when they saw Bart was added to the team. Like they just couldn't they couldn't contain themselves. So uh, I think it was a uh, it was it was a valiant choice. I'm curious, Kelly, just about the process of so you know we obviously your exclusive runs out, and then you're like okay, I have optionality here. Like do do you like is it simply that you over the years got to know people at DC and reached out and said hey I'd, I'd be interested in doing something over there, or do they say oh hey we heard your exclusive is up. Uh, how'd you like to come over and do something here? You know, I know that like from our, our friends that, that have written for both, we, you know, obviously once you're sort of in, you've got like the, 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 the semi-annual retreats where you kind of plan out things. But I, I presume at least with the first book you're doing for one of them, you're not a part of that at least initially. So how, how does like, how does getting from one to the other work on a practical sense for like, how did it work for you? I think, I think for most people, for how it was for me and how I, perceive it to be for most people is that you do something of note that some editor elsewhere likes and they email you about it and they go Mm. hey I really liked your Hawkeye you know if you're ever looking for whatever you know let me know or whatever and so you just sort of 
editors and people at different companies. Um, I've been talking to a few editors at DC for a while. I've been very friendly with Ben Abernathy and um, and Andrea and Jess over there that you know we've been friends for a while on like Mm -hmm. social media and stuff and then sometimes they'll go do you want to pitch for this thing and i'm like and for years it was well i'm still under the exclusive you know hit me up in the next year or whatever and then this year i decided i wasn't going to re-sign with marvel and so i told them yeah let's really start talking and so i'm pitching something to andrea right now if i can get off my ass and press send and um and then we have this thing i'm doing with ben and andrea and i also already did um a um andrea shea i should be saying i'm sorry uh andrea shea and i already i did a with annie Wu. we did a harley quinn short for black white and redder number oh, right, two. Yeah. well number two i think we're in so that'll be my first thing mm-hmm. and i sort of wanted the birds of prey thing to happen first but I didn't want to miss out on the chance to do this Harley Quinn thing when I had a good idea for it. So uh, I went ahead and did it and uh, I'm really glad I did. It's, it's been a really great experience over there. It's been very positive. I, I had some really great people I was working with at Marvel and I had a really fun time and I'm still doing probably some Jeff shaped stuff. Um, I finished some bit of it, but I'm doing more. It's Jeff for season three with my editor, Sarah Brunstad right now. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But, you know, I had a couple bad experiences there over the last couple of years that, mm. that that weren't great. And I don't even, again, it's not, uh, let's not dwell on it or whatever. It didn't send me packing or anything sure. dramatic, but it just made you look at things and go, okay, well, maybe I need to try to do something a little different because this doesn't really seem to quite be working the way I wanted it to, you know, or the way I thought it would. Yeah. Um, and, and, and let me just say right up front, let me put plenty of that on me i'm sure marvel feels the same way about me the pandemic was really hard for me like many people i feel like my quality of work stayed high but my quantity really dropped it was very hard for me to get the same productivity going out and uh you know i really struggled with it and it's hard once a company comes to expect you doing a certain amount to like have to change that and be like no i can't i can't maintain that anymore for like my health it's not going to work out so you know, it was uh, it was time to to try something different, and I have to say, so far it's been really great. I know I <laughs> I know this has been sort of a downer of a cast. It's been a hard week in the world, I think, but um, but uh, I'm I'm quite optimistic. Between Birds of Prey and Black Cloak and the Cull coming up in August, there's like a lot of really amazing stuff, and also. It was great the way Captain Marvel ended. Like it felt like a huge accomplishment to For do sure. that mm-hmm. and to get it and to have it done and to get the omnibuses and for the first omnibus to do so well that they're going to collect the second half is great. That's all. These are all really wonderful wins. I just think you guys are hitting me a little bit at a moment where I'm in sort of a change, uh, a changeover. So you're hearing some you know some stuff is messy when you're sort of making those transitions and i think it's evident <laughs> this is cinema verite we're for what we're here yeah, for it, it, yeah. it's, i don't th- i mean this isn't going to um win you any awards but I, I i will say that at least now your captain marvel run will be joining uh in my 
Long Boxes, Runs Light, Matt <laughs> Wagner's Madame Xanadu, and and the original Carl Kessel, Harley Quinn run. I mean, all, all, all the series that I have complete runs of, whether it's Sweet Tooth, that Captain Marvel's joining that because I, I, I wow. have all the issues, loved it. Uh, you even had me buy X-Men issues because of the Brood crossover. Um, All right, watch it now. Let's I know, I yeah. know. See, that's but uh, no, it, it's been. I mean, I and 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 not to go back to Birds of Prey, but obviously you have no you have no problem making characters your own, long established characters. You, you you give them a unique voice. You have your take on it. Are there any are there any writers of like? Giffen and De Mateus for Barda, or 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 maybe even Tom. Are there any writers that you're fond of for that that worked on the characters in Birds of Prey that you might? Oh well, well yeah, tons. I mean, the you know I love Zealot from the original Wildcats stuff. Sure. Obviously, I'm a Wildcats girl. That Jim Lee stuff, I love it. Give it to me. Hook it directly to my veins. Somewhere, Brandon so Troy is smiling. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I love all that stuff, but I can't deny that it was the the Casey Phillips stuff later Sure. for Wildcats, um, especially with like, you know, it was like a little more adult. It was more where I was at at that point, you know, in my life. Um, I really loved that stuff, the Casey Phillips stuff. Um, there's some Ellis stuff in there that's good two i think um we're really going to be testing my knowledge here um i do love the justice league uh <laughs> unlimited stuff all the 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 geffen de Mateus, all that all that crazy stuff with the justice league uh, international yep um you know i love all that stuff from a sort of almost workplace comedy sort of point of view um there's dinah in there there's some barda in there i do love barda from the gail simone bit of birds of prey she was only in like 10 or 12 issues something like that when they like crossed over with secret six for a while but those are some of my favorite stories there like preceding the the tony bedard black black canary run and stuff I, I i thought all that stuff was really great of course you know tom king and and mitch jerd's uh, uh mr miracle i found i mean is that our barda yes but no like mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like it is our barda but this is just like you know her in a cartoon <laughs> instead of her in a do you know what i mean like yeah. it's like that was like cinema verite like you were saying and you know this is much more a superhero comic you know um so i think it's a different take on her but i don't think they're counter i think it's just a different tone you know mm-hmm. uh for the kind of stories you're telling um harley quinn is harder for me i struggle with her voice sometimes i that's why i laugh at people who are worried about um her taking over the book you know, and me just being like, well, it's just not gonna, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Um, because I do agree that she often overrides, you know, she has a very Gwenpool, Deadpool thing where the specificity of their character, like getting their character right, means it's very easy for them to take over a book and make it all about them. Uh, and so I think you have to be very careful with that. I will say I 
totally have my eye on it, both from the experience of doing Deadpool and Gwenpool at different times and also just from Harley not being my favorite character on the team. She's someone I'm super interested in. I think I'm using her in a smart way, but, you know, she's just not the 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 definite for me. Um, I definitely, <laughs> I don't know if this is incendiary or not, but I do enjoy her on the TV show a lot. Um, yeah. So I think that's not the voice I have her. That's not really a fair picture, but is it that far away from that? I don't know. It's probably well, we have in the, that the, neighborhood. You have the T Franklin minis for that. So that's fine. And uh, so for gosh, let's see. Um, for Cass, I mean, I really loved the, the Becky Cloonan recent Batgirls where it was mm-hmm. all silent. Great. Yeah. Such a great issue. Um, I think, but I do think some of the, some of the strongest cast stuff we've ever gotten is all the original stuff with, uh, Kelly and, um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting everyone's name. I'm too old. Um, and Canary, I think is the stuff I sort of already talked about a little bit, the Justice League International Mm -hmm. plus, uh, plus some of the Birds of Prey and Black Canary series stuff. Um, so, I mean, that's sort of where I come from. And then we've got mm-hmm. a couple characters that I'm sort of dying to talk about that are going to be part of it that I think people will be excited about, but we just can't, can't do it yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> One of the cool things, Kelly, about you is that is that you clearly still enjoy reading comics. I mean, as you probably know, like as you've gotten to know other peers, and you know, it seems like a lot of creators just because – partly because I guess they just – get busy and they're like, Oh, I don't have so much time, but like just kind of stop reading other comics. And I'm always, David and I and Vince have always been stunned at that. Like we'll have friends or guests on and they're like, yeah, I don't really read many comics anymore. And I'm always like, what? Like, like that's kind of a bummer, you know, like just because so, but it seems like you still at least read where you can, right? Like, like you still enjoy comics as a reader. I love comics. I read comics every week. I, I think I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I think it's sometimes hard. I'm not saying this is what's happening when you talk to people about this, but it is sometimes hard to talk about it because sometimes your colleagues are doing really incredible stuff that you just haven't gotten to read yet, but you Mm -hmm. hear it's incredible. And other times colleagues of yours did something you don't really like. And you don't don't really want to talk about that because you just Mm want to sort of support people and be positive. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there, I would say the number one runaway problem is we have to do so much reading for research, whether it's something you're writing or something you're trying to write, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. like pitching or whatever, there's just so much work to do that. It does get really hard to stay on top of current comics because that's almost never what you need to read i mean maybe just to get the lay of a current situation but you know mostly when you're going back to do a pitch or something it's not you know it's a book from five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever that you've got to do research for so it's a little bit tricky in there but i would i i would not have a lot of faith or trust in someone who's genuinely not reading new comics because how are you keeping abreast of what's happening in this industry of the cool things people are doing or not doing. (laughs) Like I, I feel like you've got to be looking at that stuff. Otherwise you're very out of touch very quickly. I mean, Mm -hmm. do do screenwriters not watch other television shows? Like people writing pilots, like you've got to. (laughs) That, that's always been my perspective. Like I understand, (laughs) you know, you sort of have to have a passion for, 
for the medium, right, and maintain it. But I, I will will share a little anecdote for to you that that hopefully brings this full circle. So, um, on our show, typically we do a thing at the end where we, we do in your travels, where we kind of just sign off with like something that we want want read, uh, listeners to to read. And um, and years ago, we had uh, Scotty Scotty Young on, who's a friend of ours, but obviously also a creator, and you know him. And um, and so when it was time to do in your travels. His in your travels in this particular episode was none other than Heart in a Box, and uh, and he was like he told he's like there's this Kelly Thompson in this book it's called Heart in a Box you guys need to read it and uh, and I still remember that and I thought oh you know I don't I hope I didn't tell that story last time we were on I may have I apologize if I'm being redundant but um but <laughs> but now it seems even more germane because obviously this was a few years after you did the book that book and then and then we're a few years later here we have you back here and and of course you made your 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 return to the creator own world. Uh, recently, at Image with Black Cloak, with with your 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 same creative partner with Meredith McLaren. Yeah, yeah. So, um, did you know Meredith? Like, how did how did you how did you know Meredith? Like, leading into doing Heart in a Box, because obviously that's I mean we we connect you two through that, but I didn't know if you were friends or knew each other before that. No, so I met Meredith, and by met I mean internet. I mean mm-hmm. we've never we've never been in the same room. Um, mm-hmm. So, despite doing all this work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a weird thing about comics, right? Um, so I met Meredith through Sophie Campbell. Uh, Sophie Campbell, oh, and I Gem. Had, yeah, yeah. Well, but it was before Jem. Mm-hmm. Um, it was way before Jem. She and I had become friends online through her blog and my blog and whatever. And I was a big fan of her work in general. And we really became friends. We started talking all the time. We still talk today, although much less than back then. And um, I knew that she wouldn't be able to do my book that I had a good idea for because she was busy with her own stuff. But I thought she might know somebody who was, who you know, and I knew I would respect people that she thought were talented. And she knew of Meredith and knew her a little bit. I don't think they'd ever met, but they knew each other a little bit. And she linked me to her and a couple other people. And I just took one look at Meredith's stuff and I was like, oh, that's it. That's that's it. I was like, let's see if she's interested. And so I just introduced myself to her, and she said she'd be open to looking at the pitch. And she looked at the pitch, and she loved it, and she liked the script, and that was it. And uh, now we're doing Black Cloak together nearly 10 years later. Actually, it probably is 10 years later because that came out in 2015. So, yeah, we started working on it in probably 2013. Um, it, it, oh, go ahead. Definitely. No, I, just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad that uh, that you decided to collaborate again because, I, especially the last two issues, the, the issues four and five of Black Cloak, have probably been my favorite so far series. But it's just been it, visually, it's amazing. Yeah. There, there are not not too many indie books, obviously, greater own books, but but there are just some books out there where you cannot imagine anyone else doing it and and for me black cloak is definitely in that in that category because it it the look is the colors are beautiful i love the way flashbacks are handled it's just and, and the characters are outstanding but it's just i i'm i'm totally in love with this world i just every issue i i, I bring it home from the shop and i i have to devour it and i i when i read the fifth issue i went back and i reread the fourth just because I want to make sure I didn't miss anything because the end of the fourth issue is that there's a pretty big holy crap moment and uh, <laughs> I just I, I had to I want to make sure I didn't miss a beat but it it's just it is absolutely one of my favorite books it's whenever anybody's asking you know 
I'm looking for something new, or I'm tired of the same old. And, oh, and Black That's Cloak nice. is is absolutely something I'm going to recommend. It's it's one of it's it's one of my favorite image books right now. And and awesome. uh, yeah, I just Thank you. it's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank I, you for making it. I do think. Um, I mean, not to not to act like I didn't do anything. Certainly, I'm a part of it. But I do think Meredith's work is really uh, the star. She has. She has such a unique style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so different than everything everyone else is doing. Even though I can see bits of her in what other people are doing or bits of what other people are doing in her stuff, I just feel like she's doing something very special and not much like other stuff. It sort of looks animated. Like, it sort of looks... Like, it reminds me a little bit of, like, cell painting, the same way that Fiona Staples' Saga reminds me of that a little bit. But mm-hmm. but they're different. They're still different. Um, and I think she's an incredible storyteller and character designer and all the stuff that you have to be brilliant at to be a good comic book artist. But I think her colors are just truly... I mean, I, I, I think she, she always sort of brushes off these compliments, and I think it's because a lot of her coloring is very instinctual. Like, and so I think in some, on some way, this is all me theorizing, by the way. This is, I'm sure Meredith will be like, that's all bullshit. Kelly is not an artist and does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, fair enough. But it, it feels to me when she does it like, almost like she's afraid of it and doesn't trust it because it comes to her like very naturally I think and again maybe she's just sweating bullets over every little dot and stroke and whatever but to me from my side of things what happens is she just turns in these incredible things and every once in a while she'll turn it in and I'm like this is beautiful but I don't really think you pushed it far enough or what if this or what if that and she'll come back with something and it's transcendent. It's like so much better than the thing she did before that, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like magic. It's almost otherworldly a little bit. And uh, it's fascinating to work with her. She's so incredibly talented and she remains quite fast and very efficient. You know, we had to bump the book um to august it was supposed to come out the end of june but now it's the first week of august and i feel very bad about that and you worry about it a lot like oh my god are we going to lose readers are people going to forget about us blah 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 but you know it's 33 pages long so we added we added all this stuff and it was just taking more time and then she had some cons but she was a machine the only reason we were even in the danger zone to be late was because i had been sick and so she just she's just this incredible She's an incredible machine. It makes me angry that people want to replace her with AI because Oof. it's a crime. It Sorry, is. I don't I want to go it. back to AI, but I just, I just, when I look at these artists just bleeding on the page for mm-hmm. you, and like, I don't want to act like my job isn't hard. It is hard. the The blank page is a terrifying, oh yeah, <laughs> night, nightmarish monster that I get up every morning and face like a like a like a true brave warrior. This is what I have to tell myself, <laughs> but. For artists, what they do is so hard and so time-consuming. It really does feel to me like they open a vein to be able to do that and physically how taxing it is on their body. And to, to have it not respected or, you know, understood is, is painful. Um, I, I am the beneficiary of so much really beautiful comic book work. It's 
easily the best part of my job every day. And uh, I don't know. I just wish everyone appreciated it as they should, you know? Yeah. I always think that the best part of being a comic book writer is getting the pages in, right? And seeing your ideas sure. come to life. 100%. That must be. Yeah. Like, Especially like someone Christmas. like Kelly, who, who, I mean, you've worked some, with obviously, I'm not saying anything newsworthy. You've worked with some phenomenal artists. For sure. For I've sure. Been so I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. What's so uh, I. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, I, I'm not what I would, like, I'm not someone I would consider a cover person. Like, I, I, like, it's been a long time since I've bought, like, a comic, you know, I, long gone are the days where I would, like, buy a comic because of the cover, right? But, yeah. but, but yeah. I will say that the reason I'm bringing it up is that, is that I, since I don't consider myself a, a cover person, I, I am struck by the fact that your covers for Black Cloak are so indelible to me. And part of that is because, they are genuinely different than what we normally get in that. And for those that maybe are listening, cause this is an audio show that don't know what I'm talking about. haven't read the book. First of all, shame on you for not reading the book, but um, the, the covers are, um, and I don't know the technical term because I'm a graphic designer, but they're not full, you know, like full bleed images. They are, there's basically like a good, like I'd say two fifths of the top of the, of the page uh, are, yeah. are, you know, a, a monochrome and it's a frame. And then there's a square image that takes up yeah. about again, like three fifths of it in, in at the bottom of the book above the, I think, you know, very nice typeset logo, but the logo again, isn't all that large. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of like space in it. And I'm yeah. curious, like, like the, cause again, like it's, it's not, I mean, as someone who reads hundreds of comics a month, that's not, it, it stands out to me. So what was the, the thought process there? And like, is that a you decision? Is that a, 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 a um, is that a, a you, is that a, is that a Meredith? Decision? Like, I'm just curious. Well, I, how, guess I guess it's ultimately my decision because mm-hmm. I was the one who had the money for the sub <laughs> stuff. So right. I guess yeah. technically I was the writer and the money. And so probably mm-hmm. I have the final vote, but um, so I would describe it sort of, it's almost like the idea. It's almost like it's a die cut cover, like that there's right. like a window yep. looking that's through, fair. Yep. but mm-hmm. that, that's sort of how I would describe it to people who haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. I have to give all credit to Ryan, um, Ryan Hughes, who's our book designer. Okay. And he pitched this right out of the gate. And I was very skeptical because from my point of view, even though I liked that it felt different, which is a huge reason we did end up going with it. And I loved the logo. I just felt like we're going to have not only all Meredith's incredible art, but I had all this incredible art for issue one of these variant covers. And I was like, we're going to have to make all this variant cover art, like really small within this frame. And we're going to have to, and he was like, no, 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 we're going to integrate it every time we're going to get, I was like, that sounds expensive. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. But he really had to talk me into it. Mm -hmm. And I've been very glad that he talked me into it because nicely done, Ryan. Yeah, I agree with you. Our, our covers are really cool. They're very distinctive. And because they use that, um, except for the rare, except for we have a few clean dress covers here and there, it gives it a real consistency that is very cool. It's especially cool when you see it. I was just going to the image site to look up something and I saw them all at the bottom there and I was like, oh, Oh shit, those look cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> together on the on the digital shelf. So I'm glad you noticed. I'll I'll make sure to let Ryan know. <laughs> oh, for sure. You mentioned briefly, uh you just mentioned the substack and, and it's again it's interesting that I don't know how what is it, are we two or three are we two years into Substack now? I, I, I don't remember I when feel it started, like it's but two. Yeah, I remember yeah. that um when it yeah. was happening, you know, we had a couple creators and friends come on the show right when it was happening that were involved and kind of walked us through the model and and, and you know and, and and at the time, you know, as a, as a person who, who, again, by day when I'm not talking about comics is in finance, I thought, 
what a what a wonderful bonanza for for you you writers who are given this opportunity because you yes. know from my vantage it's like you know there's this like effectively giant pool of money that Substack yeah. wants to create a new market and they're like here's the money and you guys yeah. just do something and then if it doesn't work out no downside if it works out great so I guess my question is twofold one um, since we're past like that first year where you all got you know the the grant or whatever they called it to kind of do your thing you're still doing your Substack so what has your experience been with Substack is it is is what what it is now for you the same as what it was then? Have you learned things? Do you, do you still like it? And then two, um, you know, I, like did did the Substack success at least the initial financing have a role in in being able to to jump back into creator own? Because as you as you just mentioned, I mean, it it is not especially the image model. You're you're sort of executive producer and and taking the financial risk at least at the outset in terms of hiring the team and editing and production and printing. So like, I'm just curious how that all rolled together and was Substack a big part of you being able to do this in the call. So I, I think the Substack question Substack question is a couple things. I think sure. first and foremost. Ed, Matt, and I, Ed, Brisson, Matt, Rosenberg, and I all went to Substack for newsletters around the same time, well before the Substack stuff started happening with the Substack Pro, whatever deals that were happening. We went there primarily because Twitter was becoming so rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd started a Slack so that we would, could talk to each other not on Twitter DMs. We have a Slack for our patrons yeah. for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so, you know, we just wanted to get away from Twitter. And so then, this, then the newsletter became, if this thing's really going to implode, like, you know, we need to try to migrate our readers and, you know, all this stuff. So we were already doing that stuff. So for just that reason, I think the newsletter is great and helpful, like separate from all the pro stuff. And especially with what's happening with Twitter now, I'm incredibly grateful that, you know, I've got like 3000 readers over there or whatever. I've built this great little community. It's awesome. It's great. I have no complaints. Okay. Well, there's one complaint, but let's leave that out today. Uh, but I, there there's black cloak and the coal do not exist without the Substack program. Okay. No doubt. And I'm probably still at Marvel comics under exclusive and not writing birds of prey. So it's a completely, it's a complete game changer for me. Um, I, you know, I just, I'd been trying for years and whether it was because I accrued debt, you know, in order to get where I was and paying that off is harder than it looks or, you know, my partner and I moved to Portland right when my career was first taking off and like we're still paying that off and he hasn't been able to work very much in Portland because he works in film and television and the industry here is very unreliable and so I just could never get out from under it to like save up the money to like, Hey, let's do this comic. And so without Substack knocking on the door, I I don't know. I don't know how much longer it takes me to get those books off the ground, but they're also probably not the call in black cloak because you know, windows close on these things. People get busy and they move on to other things. Like it's, it's all about luck and timing. I'm sorry to say, or it's a lot about luck and timing. So, you know, right place, right time, and this money came in, and I was able to make these things happen, and I'm always going to be grateful for that. I mean, depending on how some things go with Black Cloak and the Cole, they can be things that really changed my career, and Birds of Prey, too. And again, I've without the security of being able to do the Black Cloak and Cole books, 
I I'm still tied to Marvel probably. So in a deal that not that there's anything wrong with being tied to Marvel, but in a deal that I didn't think was good. So that's not great. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm super grateful. Fantastic. There you go. So, so the Substack experiment was worth it if, if for nothing else that it got you the opportunity to go in the new creator. Yeah, because I don't think anyone who took the deal was like, oh, yeah, this is going to change comics forever. They were like, well, let's try it. We're all interested in that, especially because we've been going through this pandemic and the shops aren't open and printers aren't printing and all this stuff. Like, let's see. Let's do it. But I think all of us were very smart who were lucky enough to get the call because you could look at the contract and go, well, there's very little required of me in this. So if I can just meet these deadlines, it's really just a bunch of money to fund these things. And the subsect portion can work or not. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I will still have those books. So the subsect for me has been completely successful because it's built this audience. It's maintained it. I think, you know, the failings of it are, are honestly all mine. Um, I don't think they're, from me being a fuck up or anything, I think it's just hard to launch two books, especially when you've never done it before. I mean, there was so much stuff that I just did not know or did not expect or thought I was going to have help with and then sort of didn't. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there were so many lessons to learn, but yeah, I mean, without the Substack grant, like now it's none of that's happening. It's like drinking at the fire hose, I guess, right? Having to learn how to do all the other parts of of producing a comic at once. Right. Yeah. Now, now, since you since you worked on Black Cloak for you know for for a few months before that, we're going to get the launch of the Cull. Have you found the formative stages of launching the Cull easier in any way, just because of what you learned with Black Cloak? It is easier, but I have more help this time because I tried to fix that problem from last time. Also, Image changed their distributor, so everything changed. So, yes. Yes, I learned, but then now I have to relearn, so, you know, how it goes. Um, but in general, yes, it's going better. I understand the process more. I understand the deadlines more. I understand where all these things happen and what has to be done. But it's, it's really hard for me because, you know, there's a lot – there are obviously a lot of really great benefits of doing creator-owned stuff, but um, – yeah, it's a lot of work, and um, there's a lot of trade-offs for that. Like, yes, you can make you can make all the gay characters you want, but and nobody <laughs> will stop you. But which is great. <laughs> but you know, you have to be the one who's you know up in the middle of the night fixing files if they're wrong. You know, so and freaking out because some lettering that you don't know how to fix is wrong or you know whatever whatever the million little things that can go wrong with production that you're not really qualified to fix but are somehow in charge of because you have to get other people to do it i found it very stressful and i found it very distracting to trying to be a writer which is a sort of you know annoyingly time-consuming sort of hey it doesn't really look like you're doing anything and i'm like hey, I'm really not, except for I'm trying to solve a plotting issue in my head, you know, or whatever. Like, it's such a weird job, and it looks like you're not doing anything a lot of the time. (laughs) But if you fill your brain up with a lot of other dates and facts and guidelines and all this other stuff, it really clogs up the the sort of process. I found it very difficult. Do do you envision... um 
maybe it's still too early to tell, but but uh, you know, obviously, it seems like Black Cloak was structured from the start as the six issue arc, and it seems like the model for for creator and now and i think makes sense is like you you kind of plot arc to arc because you just never know what the sales and if it's going to make sense and then you probably have some follow-on ideas if if the opportunity's there i'm curious if you if you have any any thoughts as to whether you will continue with black cloak in some way or is that still to be determined black cloak is going to keep going nice yes we're very happy to do more good uh we're as we wrap up six we're starting to talk about what the next arc will be. Are we going to renumber with the number one? Are we going to try to do a number seven? You know, how all of those discussions are happening. And then there's also a separate element that's sort of a, more of a web element. That's sort of like a comic strip that sort of takes place in the black cloak world or something like that we're playing with. Um, So there's a lot of fun stuff that we're building that I hope is going to, really go over great i do think we're pretty on the line um financially like (laughs) the trade needs to do well and i need new people to come in for issue seven or one whatever we call it once that trade is out like you know we need we need to get the word out for when the new stuff launches to make sure we at least start with a strong first new issue for the new arc because you know that really that really funds a lot of what's to come and without the benefit of the Substack money you know it has to be a much leaner budget so it's going to be tricky but I'm excited that we're doing it I'm a little scared I think you'll get you'll definitely get more close to 20 page issues we're not going to have any 52 page issue ones anymore um, cause that's a, that's when you have subsect in your bank, you're like, we'll do it up. <laughs> um, so I think that's the kind of thing, but I'm excited. I'm excited for us to try it with a little less net and see if we're able to make a go of it. Um, I think we got a lot of love and praise and a lot of great reviews for Black Cloak. It just felt, even though it's a little scary to keep going, um, and it's risky, it also it just felt like what we both wanted and it seemed like we'd built something that people had really responded to and it seemed like a shame to give up on it after just six so i'm excited i'm excited we're gonna keep going and meredith is too she's got a lot on her plate but the the, as i mentioned before she's a machine so Mm. (laughs) it's helpful well we'll do our parts and and david will be at the head of that the tip of that spear and and, and make sure people give the second volume a try yeah thank you thank you do you guys want me to send you the call? Oh well, hell yeah! I mean, I was yeah because I was I was just about. I mean, we we, yeah, we, the, we do get. I mean, we are fortunate to get um, you know image preview copies when they're available. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, they haven't sent us the call yet because I think it's coming. It's not coming out until um, what September? I believe is that right? August. Uh, it's August. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, um, these these uh, four or five pages. I mean, it's barely a tease. I I, I was going to ask about um, anything you care to talk about it but obviously i mean seeing would be great but i i'm I'm super curious about it i'd be happy to send you guys the first issue um you're right that the first five pages really are a tease the whole the first 10 to 12 pages are pretty quiet um but i will say that everyone should pay attention like maddie's art is very detailed and 
there's a reason why I didn't have to write a lot of words. It's because he put a lot of stuff that was supposed to go on the page is all there. Okay. So I was able to really dial it back. Um, and I was excited about that. Um, Maddie's art is, I don't know. One of the, one of my favorite things about doing the call in black cloak as my two creator owns is that they're so different. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like if you like my writing, you'll like them both and you'll be fans of both, but they really could not be more different in like the style. And they're both sort of sci-fi horror. Mm, uh, Cole doesn't have a detective element, but it does have a mystery element. And, mm-hmm. you know, they both have horror, they both have fantasy, they both have sci-fi to them, so they seem like they should be similar books in some ways. But because Mattia and Meredith bring such different styles to it, it just completely changes them in such fascinating ways. Um, I sometimes like to think about what the books would look like switched. if Maddie Maddie did Black Cloak for a while and Meredith did The Cull like what would those things look like it's it's fascinating to me how I I would be interested in seeing both of those things but they're the wrong casts and it makes me it's a good reminder that someone can be an incredibly talented artist they can still be the wrong cast for a project right oh absolutely same way same way for writers although probably a little less aggressively the same um like it's probably a little subtler that you'd notice it but um i really think that's one of the true superpowers of a great editor is just knowing how to cast books like that um so it's been fun. It's been I'm, fun. I'm looking at one one panel for for the call, and I'm you saying that, and I'm I'm having a really tough time trying to figure out how Meredith would, especially if if we're talking about the scene settings and how everything would be the same, or if Meredith mm-hmm. would take the art or or take mm-hmm. take the panel description and and do it in her way. But I the, the detail in the call is is striking and mm-hmm. Meredith the expressions are there on the characters' faces or whatnot, but but some of the, the there there may be some detail lost but her, her color makes up for that obviously but But she yeah, I mean she would just approach it completely differently. Yes. I'm yeah. sure she would lay it out differently too. I mean yep. Maddie, you guys will see when you read the call. I mean Maddie basically is the, all the panels are basically like widescreen horizontals. Like except for when it like expands out to be a double page spread or something it's and because it gives it this very cinematic feel but like meredith would never do that or want to do that you know so it's just interesting but like when maddie did maddie did a couple covers for us for black cloak um he did one for issue three you know, and it like blew Meredith's and my mind to see him drawing this Rena character that we liked so much in this like hyper realistic style. And it made me want to see him take on all the Black Cloak characters and see what he'd do with them. But then it made me think about what Meredith would do, you know, with his monsters and with his, you know, with his teens that we're dealing with. And I just think it's an interesting thought experiment that really that really crystallizes how much the artist brings to the prime. I mean, it's like a, it's like a totally different animal once you change that, you know? Mm-hmm. 
without changing anything else. And uh, it's it's beautiful. Comics are amazing. Truly. <laughs> yeah, you worked with Matt. I think did you you first worked with Maria on uh, what was it the Jessica Jones right? There? Is that is yeah. that where you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where yeah, I remember that. I think yeah. that was his first thing for Marvel too. He might have done okay. some covers before that, but I think that was his first um, sequential art was on that. And he mm-hmm. did an amazing, amazing job on that. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you 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 had me at Goonies with the solicit, right? It's like <laughs> as, a, as a child of the as a child of the eighties, it was like, okay, all right, I'm here for this. Yeah. So, yeah. do you all write the do you all write the like the image? Because like I'm always one of the fun like I have such fun. I do a, a monthly video uh, going through the previews and DC Connect catalogs for our our patrons. You know, just talking about the things that I think are worth their attention. And one of my favorite things is is image the image elevator pitch because it's always like. If you like this thing and this thing, well, then this comic is for you. And I just think yeah. it's – I don't know if there's a specific person or if that's left up to you all because, like, I'm always – it's, like, first of all, like, half of them admittedly always seemingly compare – like, it gets compared to Saga, right? Like, I know. If you I like know. Saga and something, it's like yeah. – but then, you know, I think for the call, at least on the website, it said if, if you like something is killing the children and the Goonies – yeah. And I love both of those things, so I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'll, and I like Kelly's work, like I'm here for it. But I just think it's funny, like who who gets to pick that? Like, is that a you thing, well, or is that like someone at Image? You have to pick it, but they make you pick it. I mean, oh, I see. Okay, they want you to be able to list comparables, which right, I find, right. which I find very difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially because I do think I happen to think Black Cloak is similar to Saga in. Sure some ways mm-hmm. yeah. but even if I'm right <laughs> it's absurd to compare yourself to Saga it's so ridiculous well right I mean I think it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the best biggest longest most popular running books and you're like hey yep. we're just like no nobody's like that nobody's like that well, I, we, were, we were just in trouble we ended up with Monstrous and Saga as right. our two comparables that they asked for and even monstrous I, I don't feel like we're anything like monstrous but there are some feminist messaging sure. it's made by women the style is atypical maybe for what you're seeing um it does deal with like monsters and creatures and stuff and like sort of fantasy and mythology ideas mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and magic and so like i'm like okay i guess that and they're like oh yeah we like that comparison i'm like okay great i don't know mm-hmm. but like it's very <laughs> it's very hard i think you were asking do i write the solicits uh, do do writers write the solicits uh, i've found sort of two schools of thought i've never met anyone who likes doing them Mm-hmm. Um, so I've found there are people that won't do them because they don't like doing them and people who don't like doing them but won't let anyone else do them because <laughs> to be right, I am in that camp. Okay, I hate doing them, but I mostly do do them because I want them to be what I want them to be. And That's fair. Um, I think uh, good editors at places like Marvel and DC 
they might write a draft for you because they know you're a pain in the ass who won't get back to them on time. And so they try to help you by writing a draft. And then it's easier for you to go in and edit that and be like, okay, maybe this though, you know, and then you sort of meet in the middle. I have that. I had that a lot with Sarah, like Sarah and I got in a very good groove because we did so much Captain Marvel together and we were also doing Black Widow. She got very good at writing them and I would have very few tweaks. Ben is very nice. I, I think there are some editors that don't even ask. I think mm-hmm. any editor that works with me knows <laughs> they should ask, which says something terrible about me. But they do, <laughs> they do ask me, so they must know. Um, <laughs> they must just sense it in me. Um, but uh, I wrote them for Black Cloak at Image and for The Cull, and I decided to do them weird. We started out normal for, like, the series premiere whatever, mm-hmm. but then I was like, nah. I was like, nobody pays attention to these, really. And I feel like doing weird ones that are, like, Hungry Mermaids, Murdered Prince, like, I feel like that stands out more. For like, sure. it might make you go, oh, well, what's that? You know, and like, so I figured, I don't know, it can't hurt. It's like if someone's reading them, then probably they're excited by something that breaks the pattern, right? I don't know. Definitely. Yeah, well, listen, you're, there are, I'm, I'm living proof that, that some people do pay attention to them. So, <laughs> to well, create I also, content. It's it sort of writing weird ones. You'll have to tell me since you're someone who reads them. You should, you should ping me when you like one or hate one. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, I, as as you probably know, I mean, the it's like it, I, because probably like you said, it, it is a, it, like after a while, you're like oh, enough of this already. Like, I think the 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 saga ones crack me up because they're just like don't they don't really exist now. Like, it's just basically like one word. Yeah, like, it's, see, like, I, like BKV just does like one word now because like, he. I guess yeah. at this point, he's like, listen, I know you're all going to buy this book anyway. So I think I was talking to Matt Rosenberg and Ed. I think about. I was like, you know, some of my favorite write-ups from TV are, like, once they're in it and they know that really there's diehard fans and nobody else, like, and they just start writing weird ones, like, Quentin eats an apple and uh, Billy bumps his, you know, bumps his head or whatever. Like, I like those and I find them funny. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to pretend Black Cloak is wildly successful and that this is what people want. And (laughs) I'm just going to write them like that. So... Yeah, no, keep that up. I like that. I mean, they do stand out. It's like, inevitably, it's like, it's very, I mean, the, especially at the big two, right? Like, it's very formulaic, and I understand it has to be, but but it just, uh, you know, you just kind of like, okay, I get it, and then you move on. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where you're like, wait, I don't have to do this like that anymore? Okay. Right, right. Yeah, yeah let me take that freedom and run with it, because that one feels good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think, um, you know, I know I know you, you, you wrote for CBR for a, a bunch of time before you jumped into the yeah. writing, so... You know, you know, you've had your experiences of like reviewing or talking about the comic industry before you actually made comics. So, like one of the things we we talk about on the show, because again, we're going on you know 900 episodes, 15 years, is that there are these certain comics that hit this point in their existence where they've been so good for so long that they almost fall out of the the narrative because mm. there's not like you don't really have anything more to yeah. say about it without being yeah. just like a spoiling the plot and sagas at that point right like we never talk about saga on the show yeah. not because it isn't still one of the best books but just because it is one of the best books and like unless yeah. we want to spoil the plot there's nothing yeah. really more to say yeah. about it, before you know? that it was the walking dead I was going to say The Walking Dead was like that, or Fables. Those were books that, like, everybody read them, and they all thought they were great each issue, but they'd gone on for so long 
and were so great that you were just like, oh yeah, it's another great a- issue. I don't like, I don't know what more to, more to say. If you're not into it by now, you're probably not going to be into it. So. Yeah, I think you're right, but also it feels a little like we're taking that for granted, aren't we? I mean, oh, a hundred percent. We often lament it. We lament through, it, yeah. right? We're like, yeah, we're like, oh, we why like, and we do like a year interview, and and sometimes that'll happen where I'll look at like my reading list for the year and the things I thought were the best. And I'll think, yeah. Oh man, like I didn't even talk about that book because they yeah. just like assume everyone knows it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It feels, yeah, it does feel like something shocking really has to happen later in a run to like make people talk about it again. But like, you know, you just want to tell the story that you're trying to tell. You don't want to like sure. shock and awe just to make people pay attention. But I do think that, um, it's, it's, a. Uh, I, I, I saw a, quite a number of people, you know, a lot of people said really lovely things about Captain Marvel when it finished, but I kept running into these people saying, I've been saying for years it was the most consistent book at Marvel month in and month out, and this was my best read every month, blah, blah, blah. And I, I wanted to be like, I love you guys, and I know some of you that were there banging the drum, but like... It would have been nice to feel that more because you know mm-hmm, you, sure. you do get in them, and I get it. I did the reviewing thing. I know, I know how relentless it is and how unrewarding it can be, and yeah, it's never ending. But yeah, I mean, it was frustrating to get in your forties of the of your number, and suddenly people just aren't reviewing the book as much. People aren't talking about it. You have to do something really dramatic in order to like get attention back. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was one of the ways in which having to reinvent the wheel every time for us helped a little bit because at least we had to be like, oh, she's got a new costume because she's doing magic, you know, or whatever. And like sometimes that would be enough to like get us, you know, a, a, a relook and people would be like, oh, okay, what's going on over there? But it's 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 frustrating that you have to fight so hard with it for something that people mostly already like but there's yeah, just, yeah. there's just a glut of so much out there that we already like and there's only so much money and there's only so much time and you're fighting against all those other great things that you also like you know for, for, that, that's the for thing. somebody's attention yeah i mean that's the thing for us i mean we obviously spend a lot of time in like celebrating comics and we i mean our, our typical episodes are two and a half three hours long believe it or not so i mean we you know we've we've spent many you know literally thousands of hours giving love to the to, to the things we like but even with that i mean it's just inevitably to your point like we feel like if we've waxed lovingly about something a month before it just feels almost um like we like yeah. just talk about it again. It just feels like we'd rather bring light to something else to a group of listeners that maybe they're not aware of because hopefully they already listened to us the last time we talked about the book. But yeah. you know what I mean. But certainly when when nothing is perfect, and so we do occasionally look back and be like, oh man, we really haven't talked about that enough, even though we adore it. Like that's you know, um, yeah. like we we you know I'm, I, we we are the three of us are all. I mean, a lot of times we we all like similar things but we also have lots of things that you know maybe don't fit in with each other's concentric circles but like the the brubaker phillips reckless novels we all have adored so we've talked about them a lot and i think like you know um but like once you get to the you know the fifth one it's like even we we who i think we're pretty good at 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 pontificating about the things we enjoy but there's only so much to say i mean i feel like we've spent hours talking about it so it's not that it's lost its quality or or we're not as thrilled to have read the fifth volume as the first but you know at the end of the day i don't know what more we can bring to it because again if someone hasn't tried them by that point they just probably aren't going to try them at least based on our recommendation you know and what else might you be what else might be might we be 
not ignoring, but not talking about, because it's not like Ed and Sean need our accolades to sell more books. Sure. But 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 then you know that that week Black Cloak might come out, and that's something yeah. that warrants eyeballs on it. So it it is it and and when you talk about you know the, the fans or the readers talking about you know or, or lamenting over the fact that there was a change or a book was was canceled all i i there's a very vocal minority obviously online but i I keep thinking back to the days when ron mars took over green lantern and how everybody went apeshit when hal jordan went crazy and they introduced kyle rayner and it's like if all of this if all of you people who are so irate and outraged over this change, if the same amount of people were actually buying the book when Hal Jordan was in it, we wouldn't have made the change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, Kelly, what, what? What? I guess the everything else that we haven't talked about, you probably can't talk about because otherwise we would. Yeah, talk about it. I've got a new. I've got two pitches on the verge of going in. I've mm-hmm. got the Birds of Prey. Obviously, we're running full speed on that. We're going to be doing this new season or continuing season of Black Cloak. Um, the Cull is an interesting thing we can't really talk about yet. It's a five issue miniseries to start. Um, okay. It's not. It's definitely not going to be continuing the way Black Cloak does. But if we're very popular, which I'm hoping for, I think that's going to give us different options for mm-hmm. how how we want to approach what's next for the book. There's definitely a what's next for the book. The question is how we fit it together with Maddie's schedule and everything. He still has commitments. He has to meet and also. Uh, and I'm sure he would be the first to admit this, that digital painting style is no bullshit. It takes a really long time to For do sure. that quality of work. So, you know, even if even if he was ready to start on the Cole Volume 2 immediately, it, it wouldn't be out for a while. So, but the nature of the story gives us some options that we're exploring. So that's a pin sort of in that. Um, and then I'm also doing some very interesting stuff, I hope, with uh, Story Killer, my novel that I kickstarted um, nearly 10 years ago now. And I'm looking at pursuing some stuff with that on Substack with a sort of serial reading, a more of a prose capacity, although there will probably be spot illustrations because I can't help myself. Um <laughs> So something like that too, uh, and and then also maybe this little this Taka in world black cloak strip. Nice. Thing. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, oh, I'm also doing a, a new It's Jeff with uh, Guri Hiru uh, for season three, and I believe the plan is for that to launch in the fall again. So how much fun? How much fun is it to to work with them? Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. I really, it's amazing I can come out here and complain about anything. I've been so dark and negative <laughs> for this whole episode, but I'm working with Maddie Adulius, uh, Meredith McLaren, Leonardo <laughs> Romero, and Jordi Belair, and Guri Hero. It's like it's a board of talent. It's incredible. Yeah, we should all for be sure. someone happy. Yeah, you yeah, right? know, right? Well, how do how dare I? They're incredible. They're they're masterful storytellers. I, yeah. I don't even know how they make everything so freaking cute. Um, but they're a delight. 
They bring so much joy to things. Yeah. They have great ideas. You know, my job on, on, on It's Jeff is really just to find a great joke and set it up for them to execute it. And awesome. uh, they, they do it every time. Even ones where I turn them in and I'm like, eh, it's okay. It's not my favorite one. Sometimes when I get it back, I'm like, wait, it's the best one? <laughs> they made it the best one. How did they do it? <laughs> they're, they're just great. The you're not um now is I'm trying to ask this without you're not making your own little Kelly Thompson Mark Miller universe with with Black Cloak and the club right these are separate <laughs> entities or are we all do do we all have to follow everything you're going to be doing because there's going to be one big super uh, crossover versus yes to, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, nobody's even dreamed of giving me the kind of money I do to do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, you got no Netflix I'd deals love, banging on the I'd door? I'd love to start the Thompsonverse, but we're going to need a lot more money okay. uh, to do that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I do want to certainly build that kind of stuff. I mean, the number of times creatives talk about, hey, maybe we should build a shared universe together. Maybe we could do it like... You would not believe how many of those half half started conversations there are because everyone would love to do it, but it's a huge time commitment. It's a yeah. huge risk. You usually have to, I think most people would have to throw in money for something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, um, nobody is delusional that we're living in the nineties anymore. I mean, the comics mm-hmm. market is just completely different. There's, right. there's no space to have a new, you know, image boom. And for people who, don't know what I mean, who are young enough that just know the image of today. I mean, you know, that started as a very different kind of entity. Um, yes. So, but I don't know that that exists. And I think that's the thing that stops those conversations when they get started now, even though creators would love to jam together on <laughs> weird, weird crap like that and create, you know, their own universes with their own, but it's just hard, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. And comics, you know, comics sometimes gets money injected into it. But Substack's one of the only times I've seen it go directly to the creators. So right, right, for sure. Yeah. It's hard. I have to, I have to say, this is going to seem random, and maybe you don't even, like, have, I don't know how much you're aware of this, but there is a, um, a Marvel mobile game called Marvel Snap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and well, and I, don't, and I don't think that, I don't think, Dave, you've played it much, but, but, but I play it a lot, probably more than I should. And and as you maybe know, if you know the game, Kelly, but like I think it's like Jeff the Landshark is one of the better cars in the game. Uh, so and I was like, oh, that, like and I think that's so cool, right? Because like obviously, just like with the movies and like with the video game, like I'm sure lots of people are playing the video game that aren't like deeply embedded in Marvel comics lore. And so like when you get these 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 relatively lesser known characters that come into the game and they have like crazy utility. I think it's always fun. So like I would yeah. say Jeff is in like Jeff is probably one of the most used cards in the game and the game has hundreds of cards. So there no, you go. I, I play. I, oh, okay, cool. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. play. I'm having very good luck with my build deck right now. Which nice. Is, um, I basically tap out at a certain level in Marvel snap because I just don't want to play really dirty like sure yeah i don't i don't want to put a wong on a double thing and then a mystique and then a gamble (laughs) so that it destroys that's the go-to move 
my part, my my yeah. opponent's eight cards. I, no, I have no interest in that. Sure, so, sure. And I honestly, when people play like that against me, I put them on a list. I don't play with them anymore. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I have a list. It's got a ton of people on it. Um, but the oh, God, most, I'm not on the list. The, the thing, <laughs> I can check the list. Do you want to tell me? Why don't you put in a little chat what your little name is? Um, the biggest thing I don't play someone again though is. Is not really if they're playing dirty, and it's not like if you. It's not that you can't play gambit. Of course, you can play gambit. I just, I just, if someone's playing all destructive cards or all disruptive cards, I just don't like it. I, I want to build. I want to build my side, and you build your side, and let's see who can do it better. Like, sure, sure. Yes, I'll defend myself if you force me to, but I really won't attack you. Like, I just, I, I'm just not into it. I'm not. I'm a builder, not a destroyer, man. I don't know. Even if, even when I play a destroyer deck, it's all destroy my own cards. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. like I don't want to destroy yours. Well, the, the um, newest card, uh, Spider-Ham, is quite controversial for that same reason. Some people hate, hate it. Spider-Ham. Do you? Oh, I, I'm a big fan of it. I haven't, I haven't gotten him yet. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> it's be I great. can tell already you're on my list, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, <laughs> damn it. That's a... That's a bummer. I don't really like. Honestly, I don't like those damnation decks like you're talking about. I, I to me the 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 the, the almost insta quit for me was when before Galactus got nerfed. I just I like oh. I was like, oh, you're gonna play Galactus. I'm just gonna quit. Like I was like, you get no, take I, your cube. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, why would anyone stay in when yeah. someone plays Galactus? Like, except for the occasional time when you can turn it around on them. That does feel fucking. Oh, weird. for sure, for sure. But, yeah. Um. Anyway, I just um. I love the game. I, I think it's very fun, but there's sort of a natural limit to how high it can go because I just sort of don't want to. Mm-hmm. I'm never, I'm never gonna put Shang Chi in my deck. I'm just not. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like destroying the other cards. I don't get a. I don't have a fun time with it, and I don't like playing with people. But what I was trying to say is, the only people that really for sure go on the list are the people who are not good sports, the people who want to spam you with. Like, if they think they're winning, if they're doing well, and they're like, I'm losing, I'm losing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Snap, 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 snap. Like, I, I have no tolerance for that. I will exit the game, I will put you on a list, and next time I see you, I will immediately exit. <laughs> the the I'm losing is also an instant quit for me, unless I'm, like, for sure going to, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to win this anyway. Because it's, like, just to your point, it's annoying. Yeah. And it's like, all right, you're telling me I'm losing because you want me to, like, snap yeah. into you yeah but we all know that's happening so you're either four years old yeah. or you're just annoying right like you like <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah exactly. um well I the do. cool thing about the game though is that it's like the thing i like about that game because i used to play this other marvel game and it was like a time and money suck and i woke up one day and thought why am i doing this like this feels like a job now like and that's absurd yeah. why should a moment but the thing i like about snap is it's so casual it can be whatever you want and you don't have to you don't really have to spend any money and you can still be competitive which is great because the strategy yeah. like you don't need to you know buy the, the hot cards or, or it, which i love i mean that's and yeah. i think with all games like naturally over time that will change like right like as the game plateaus the the, the, the publishers will start increasing the the, the pay to play mechanic to try and suck the profit out of those that are addicted to it. But, but like for now it's still, it's super fun. And like you said, like the thing I love about it, and I guess it's, this is true of many card games, but, but I, I wasn't really much of like a magic player, but like just the ability to like have fun and create different decks and, and see what works. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that, that's super fun. And, and then the, all these characters that I love so much and, and all the variants and stuff, is just a it's blast. Really, it's just, 
I think it's the characters, man. It's just, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, I never really got into D&D or Pokemon or whatever, and, like, I understand the appeal of all those things, because I overlap with a lot of nerd culture. I get it. It just wasn't, they just weren't things that necessarily clicked on for me. But playing X-Men, I mean, it, literally my brother and I, <laughs> my brother and I invented basically this game uh when we were little we were playing it with our Jim Lee X-Men cards I've been doing it on my <laughs> sub stack a little bit we would just play war we would just play regular war but mm-hmm. we we were so in sync at that time about who the characters were that we loved so much and were reading and watching on the animated show cartoon and everything that it was easy for us to agree on what their power levels are which you know mm-hmm. is impossible it's impossible to play with people who wouldn't agree on that. It would be a nightmare. But because we were so in sync, so we agree so-and-so is more power than so-and-so. So there are very few arguments. But, yeah, we would basically play war with those Jim Lee cards. I still have them today. They're incredibly worn from playing war with them all the time, especially on card trips. And so to me, Marvel Snap is just like a more complicated, far more complicated, super interesting version of that with, like, incredible totally. art. Like, it's so fun. And that's the real thing that I... The the only thing I don't like about the game, you can't exit out of it because it's also a great thing about the game, which is all the variants. I am a sucker... Like, a good one, if I don't like the art on a certain card, I will, like, wait and spend gold on that, on a replacement card because I just don't want to look at it anymore. And that's genius for them. For people who want to make money, genius. Absolutely, Uh, yeah. I wish they would make it a little more reasonable like 1200 gold for some of these cards come on man what yeah I? I mean that's the thing right again these these games are very i mean all of these mobile games are very predatory financially so that's why i say like but yeah. but i'm with you i mean I, I think at least for this one i i haven't had to spend much at all and still got no, great enjoyment think, from it yeah, so you know it's really fun you, especially if you if you spend a little money up front just to like get yourself started i think yeah, especially. yeah. Mm-hmm. like yes you're right you can totally play it just by winning points and and building yep. it slowly and it's great it's great well when we get nice. off when we get off you should definitely text me your name so i can verify you're not on my list <laughs> i'll feel awful if i am i'm so so bad promise, if you are on the list i'll take you off and give you Ooh, nice. oh, second How about that, that? Yeah. i love it nice all right great well, on that on that I, I note, admit, sometimes people make it on the list when I'm just really mad that day. So, <laughs> I try to make a rule that like they have to use like three or more like really aggressive cards against me before I'll okay. whatever. But you know, maybe you just use two really aggressive cards one day, and I was mad. So yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm like <laughs> I'm not generally that kind of player, but like with everything, I think like especially if you're doing terribly for a while, like I've tried different decks. You know, or like I'll see a YouTube video where they're like, oh, you got to try this deck, and I'll try it. And sometimes, like because you just don't know the mechanics well, you're like, this deck stinks. I don't know what yeah. they're talking about. But or other times, you're like, oh, this is great. But I've never. Yeah, I'm not generally one. Like I definitely. I mean, nothing is more defeating than like when you get like Enchantress and then Professor X and then oh. like Gambit and you're like, oh man, like Yeah. And then like right. but the new one that's been happening to me a lot, I really have no affection for or tolerance for, which is like they put a goose on something so that you can only use a couple cards there. Sure. And then they put a Professor X on something and then they put a Spider Man on something. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. you're so afraid of my cards. I can't play any cards. Like, I mean, I just exit then. Because, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, Why would so, I stay in this? You're not letting me play. Like, 100%. My username is Woodrow. It's very simple. So, 
Uh, oh, you're, de- you're definitely not on there. I have Nice. All right, good. There we go. I might, have redeemed. I might have played you, though, but you're definitely not on the list. Nice. All right, that's good. Excellent. Well, on that note, on that note, thank you so much for coming on. I, I, I genuinely do hope that the experience of branching out this year and, and into next year is like just wildly accessible, like successful and, and also creatively yeah. fulfilling, right? Like, you know, I mean, that's obviously like a part of this is, is having fun and enjoying being creative. And listen, it's been great. I feel bad. This was a negative. It was a really it hard was not. week. It, it was, was a not. really it hard a week in the world. And honestly, it's been a really hard little while for artists and writers and stuff. Yeah, for sure, so for sure. It's been hard, but you're right that a lot of really exciting stuff is happening. I'm, I'm working with I'm working with people. I literally wrote an email where I about cackling about art that was coming in my box. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a tweet the other mm-hmm. uh, something on a non-Twitter whatever I was on Blue Sky I think where I was talking about like these artists who are creating for our projects i'm just it's an embarrassment of riches they're so talented and i'm so lucky awesome well maybe we'll hopefully we'll get you another eisner soon for (laughs) one of these projects i mean please it'll be well deserved let's let's do that (laughs) nice well well, thank you so much for coming back on we really do appreciate it and we wish you well so yeah absolutely it won't it won't let's let's not have such a delay next time yeah, let's not make it four years yes. next time. Sounds good. Maybe after Birds of Prey is out, if you guys want to yeah. tell you, you try that first issue and you let me know if it was any good. <laughs> Will do. Fantastic. Well, have a great night. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. Absolutely. There you have it. The definitive Kelly Thompson interview. That's right. Got that big two talk without Vince. That's right. I mean, but, I don't think Vince would Vince wouldn't have stood for the Jim Balant uh, 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 assassination. So, <laughs> oh man, ah, uh, anything else? Um, I mean, like, not. I don't have anything specific. I will say that uh, I'm getting a little verklempt here because I realize I'm not going to be talking to you or these fabulous people on air and for. Until uh, mid July, which is crazy, I, you know, because I leave on Sunday and be gone in the in the Italy for two weeks. So, yeah. but I am going to try and you know at least um, in as much as the the wifey will allow it, given the time zone changes, uh, you know, at night maybe pop into the to the Slack and maybe do a couple patron posts of some you know Italy scenes and sights. And I'm really really hoping when I'm in Florence in particular that I can hit up some uh, some Fumetti stores and, and see what's what. You know, awesome. Get get some European comic up in these up in these veins. You know. But yeah, man. How about you? I mean, you got anything you wanna you wanna shout out before we uh we I mean we do our in your travels. I want to shout out Tim and Kevin and Hassan and everybody else who um, checked in. For, for during Heroes Con weekend, but uh, I received a box yesterday because, it, first of all, it, it, it's it's insane sometimes um, being online. I, I was um, I was scrolling through Mastodon and and somebody had posted some pins that uh, some some Star Trek pins that they picked up at the convention, and mm-hmm. I asked for the uh, I asked for the artist or or, or or you know which table what what, what booth are they from because. Uh, we have some friends down there this weekend, and uh, I'm gonna see if I can maybe score some. So, my man sent me um, sent me 
a photo of, of homeboy's business card and, and showed me the, the pins that he had picked up. Um, and so I mentioned on the Slack, if anybody's around this guy's table, you know, let me know, uh, what pins he may have based on my interest. And, um, let me know what, what, what they're charging. And, um, and so the exchange back and forth on Mastodon and, and when I wrote back and I, I thank the guy for giving me the info, it, it, he, his next reply was, I just realized who you are. I love your podcast. Thanks for doing what you do. Completely random out of the blue. The guy's name is Ash. So shout out to Ash. But then, um, I received a box yesterday from Tim, from FedEx, from the con, from the convention center, uh, with the pins and some issues of strip from the UK, which I cannot wait to start reading and a 007 magazine, which just completely blew my mind. So massive shout out to Tim Hassan, um, found a comic I was looking for and, uh, and, and, and more on that later. But, um, it looks like everybody who was there in Charlotte had a blast at Heroes Con this weekend, which I was so glad to see. Yeah, it, it sucks that we weren't there this year, but I'm so glad that everybody still had a great time. Yeah, I mean, ditto on that. I have to say, it really did. Uh, it was. It. I definitely was feeling some kind of way not being there. Um, you know, it is. It is. I think collectively our favorite con um, in no small part because it's just a great time to see so many of our friends. Um, but I really, it really genuinely was much easier to handle with how active our Slack channel was with the, with the booze sharing their art that they were buying, the comics they were buying, the, the meals they were having together. It really did. It certainly wasn't like we were there, but it, I really appreciated the, the connectivity and the, the purpose with which they kept us surprised of things going on. And it, it really meant a lot. So, I mean, Kevin Quas was like the, uh, the, 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 the photo documenter of the yeah, entire thing. Jimmy like, Olsen dude, over dude, here. Dude, yeah. And you know, Raj was out there getting his hustle on. I mean, me, me, Meekin celebrating his career change. Dude, dude bought half the half of Artist Alley up. Uh, you know, it was it was pretty awesome to see everybody having fun, and um, you know, and, and of course Newberry was checking in. Like like everybody was really like there were dozens of people posting updates, and, and I really genuinely appreciated it. It was yeah. cool, cool to see, and and if anything, it just made me like absolutely. I'm, I'm already like salivating for us to get back there next year and do it up right. 100%. Hopefully, we'll get a big crew to represent. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I um, and I do. Since you, sh- I want to shout out uh, our boy, our boys Cliff and Justin, because of course they were there. And and I, um, since we weren't there, Jim Rugg has a new zine that he he made up, and uh, it's a limited print run. And normally, I would always grab that and whatever else looked good over at the uh, the sort of they always have that 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 you know the the rug uh, at house uh, area a little and, yeah at house sort of pitzer area and. Um, and, and so uh, Cliff and Justin did be right, and they picked up a copy of the zine. So I much appreciated that. That was awesome. Can't wait to get that. So, um, And then also have a shout-out to Jason Youngbluth of Weapon Brown fame because um, last year he ran a Kickstarter for Weapon Brown Aftershock, which is the sequel and uh, the little red edition. And I received my care package um, today. Not my care package. Listen to me. Uh, I received my my Kickstarter uh, fulfillment today, and uh, he he did me right. Like he, the the I backed the tier where you get the book. Um, you also get uh, like some ephemera, and then I also got uh, I backed the tier where I get a page of the artwork. So I got Sweet. in my box today. I got a page of the art from after from the new sequel. Obviously, the sequel itself, which I can't wait to read. Um, a bunch of like buttons and stickers. Also included was a uh, custom sketch, and in 
in classic, I mean, how this is so fitting. Like, I love it. He asked me who I would like, and I said, "How about you do something on like of of Hank McCoy Beast?" And I'll, I'll of course put this on calf, but he he drew a fully colored blue Hank McCoy Beast uh, Cookie Monster. So Cookie Monster as the Beast, which I just think is brilliant and Hilarious. perfect, with, you know, with his you know whole vibe of like you know transmogrifying classic you know uh, uh, characters from our our youth uh, into uh, these other forms. So that was awesome. And then he threw in a bunch of um, like other books and and art books, including which I didn't even know existed, an art book of naughty drawings. So like I feel very very wow. bl- I feel very very uh, lucky to uh, to have gotten that that loot package from him. So uh, so props from another member of the Nation of Jasons. That's awesome. That's right. So do you have it in your travels? Yes. No. Um. Yeah. Because think- you know we're gonna get yelled at if we don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. I read the um, I read the first issue of the uh, of the new Black Panther. Um, oh yeah, with Chris Allen on art. Yeah, the art's fantastic. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's written by uh, by Eve L. Ewing, uh, Chris Allen on pencils, Allen and uh, Craig Young on inks. And uh, Jesus uh, Abertov on colors, and you know, there's a there's a slight mention of um, of being an Avenger. So this is this is current and and, and ties in with uh, with McKay's Avengers run. Um, but uh, you know, the child is basically I'm not gonna say he's a man without a country. He's he's, he's not necessarily royalty. Wakanda's had some changes recently, uh, but I and this is. What I'm loving so far about this one issue, especially these first few pages, when I watched Wakanda Forever, when I left the theater, the people I was with, all I wanted, when, when we walk into the parking lot, all I said is, I want a Disney Plus series about the cities in Wakanda. Because just, and I mean, it. I don't need a detective show. I just want maybe a day in the life, an anthology of just different residents in these cities. And because it, the the architecture, the 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 layout where these people live, I it, it's beautiful. I love the way it looks, and and we're getting so much of that in this issue. And and I just, it, it almost became the story itself. Whatever the. Whatever T'Challa was doing, whatever he was going up against, it was it was almost like it was background noise. I was just so focused on what Alan was drawing on these pages, as far as making this the city feel alive. Um, I'm I'm absolutely here for it. I love Black Panther's slightly tweaked look for this book. Um, it's uh, it's it's a little different. It, it's it's different than what Priest was doing. It's different than what Hudlin and what Aaron did. It's um, I, I think Eve is going to take the character and and this world um, in a slightly different direction, and I'm not mad about it. It it um, it, it it's kind of a, it's got a little bit of of the political and of uh, the, the everyman and just other people struggling in this very culturally rich and and technology technologically advanced nation and uh and i'm 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 kind of stoked for it and and yeah the, the art's fantastic but i just i um i'm 
was like pretty much halfway through the issue, I was kind of just completely enamored by it. I um I'm, I'm I have high hopes for for where we're going from here, but I'm I'm seriously looking forward to. It. So if 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 you're kind of like first issued out, if if you've you know you, you finished a previous Panther run or runs and and you know and you and you need a break or whatever, I would I would maybe say pause on that, give this first issue a shot, and see how you feel about it. But um, but yeah, I I absolutely was blown away by it. So uh, Black Panther number one by Ewing and Allen and Jung and uh, Abertov and that's my new travels for this week. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on my to do list here. I have it cause, but I haven't read it yet. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. Um, yeah. In your travels, I, uh, this is a book that I think was originally announced back in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. And it took a long ass time to get three issues done, but, uh, but boy, did they get them done. Uh, and that is wonder woman, historia, the Amazons. Um, oh, the third yeah, issue is, is out. Yeah, so yeah, this I okay. Hardco- yeah, I got the hardcover. Um, so I'm holding the hardcover here, and it is an absolute stunner. Uh, it's now this is black label, and the reason I remember it was 2018 is because um, it was one of the first things announced when black label was announced. It was like part of the like, hey, here's what we're going to be doing with black label, um, you know, which is like, but then it, I don't, you know, the first issue didn't come out for um, for almost four years, and I'm not sure why. Like, I don't know if it was just. Like, I don't know if, if, like, the movies change. Like, I have no idea. Maybe some one of our listeners maybe knows. I, I don't know why it took as long as it did. I had almost, like, before it finally did come out, I had almost forgotten that it was ever supposed to come out. But point being, um, this was a three-issue series, and it, uh, it there is going to be more. I don't know when we're going to get more. But um, but I know after the first issue, um, some of the ardent Wonder Woman fans in our, in our, in our, in our uh, you know, uh, our crew talked it up and, uh, and I made a mental note. And one of the reasons I didn't jump on this in issue form is because, um, you know, I, I assumed even though it was black, it was a black label, but it, I assumed it was a wonder woman origin story. And I felt like I had already read wonder woman origin stories. I, you know, there was obviously, uh, gods and mortals, you know, Perez's run. And then, and then Rucka did wonder woman year one, not too long ago, maybe like a decade ago, uh, you know. So it's like I felt like okay, I've, I've I've seen this already, and then we had the film, which does her origin story. So I'm like, I, I don't know, like I'm, do I really need to read another Wonder Woman origin story? But I'm an idiot because the answer was yes, yes, I do. Um, I should have said this is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, and it's art. It's a it's a uh, a rotating art team: uh, Phil Jimenez, uh, Gene uh, Gene Hahn, Nicholas Scott. Um, now, for those of you that pay attention to the Eisners, as I do, you might know already that um, that uh, this the first issue of this won two Eisners, uh, one for best single issue, uh, and Phil Jimenez won for best uh, best artist that year uh, for it. So, um, I will say that that it is an absolute visual stunner. I mean, I can see why this book took a long ass time to draw and finish. Every page is just like overwhelmingly detailed and intricate and well rendered and colored and it's just it's it's like gobsmackingly beautifully drawn um the hardcover is a beautiful way to present it because of that uh and i have to say that even though it is an origin story um i think it does a nice job of 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 living up to the the potential of being a black label book meaning that i mean it's out of quote-unquote continuity and it's also uh you have more leeway for adult 
concepts and themes and yeah. visuals and and they make use of all that in this and um i, I think i think kelly sudakonic does an incredible job i i don't feel like i've read many comics from her in the last bunch of years like i feel like she hasn't been as active in comics um either as her husband now that i think about it but but you know in the last bunch of years um and i had kind of forgotten that she's a really great writer i, yeah. I like i definitely enjoyed most of the stuff if not all of it that i read back when she was doing comics more regularly but i had kind of just almost forgotten about what a good writer she is when she's got a pa- project she's passionate about and um this is just just top-notch stuff i would say that that um you you know certainly anyone that's a wonder woman fan probably already has read this or plans on it so i don't need to recommend it to them but but i would say to people that don't necessarily hold wonder woman in your must read category and i would put myself there um uh this is absolutely worth your time it it is great it is it is absolutely a phenomenal work and uh and 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 I want to acknowledge it and also acknowledge those of you out there listening to this podcast that are like, I told you so, would you did tell me so. So there you go. Um, so, yes, in your travels, uh, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons. And if you haven't bought it already, buy the hardcover because the hardcover is nice. It's, oh, I, it's yeah. The hardcover is now on my wish list on Cheap Graphic Novels, who happens to yes, be our sponsor. sir. Nice. Um, and I will try to uh, say something smart. Uh, when I do the intro, do the beginning of this episode tomorrow regarding nice. Sponsor. And since you're jury reading that, I will say um, I was drinking G Zero uh, tonight. Uh, I was drinking uh, Glacier Cherry G Zero. <laughs> uh, for the record, because some of you also get very reclaimed and we don't do the drink roll call. Yeah, so. I, well, purposely, I, I I did not. I avoided the the drink roll call because I'm not. Sure, I, I didn't want to put Kelly on the spot and. Um, Oh and, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I finished the, the last few sips of rye that I had in my glass, and it's just been water all night. So nice. Yeah, I have a just a routine blood work tomorrow for a, a physical. You know, I have a physical coming up. So, God, I'm in the fasting. You know, no, no, Oof, no. Yeah. Not trying to do the caffeine or the alcohol uh, leading up to the blood work, so that it. Oh, the uh, caffeine's the toughest. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, I just I would normally drink coffee at like midnight. I just yeah. can't do that tonight. That's yeah. all. And I'll be like. Main, I'll be mainlining it into my veins at nine o'clock on the drive home from from LabCorp. So awesome! Oh, this is a blast. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Like, well, I guess funny is not the word, but I feel like writers, a lot of comic writers, are tortured. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like they 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 are overly critical of their own moods. If that makes sense. Yeah. He, like Kelly was very apologetic on the show about like being in a down mood right and like Which we didn't come many, across at all but yeah yeah we've had many writers on the show over the years that have had that same like apologetic vibe like oh you know and sometimes they might not say it on the like during the show like kelly did but like and we're wrapping up like oh man sorry i was such a downer tonight and it's like what like no like you know you, you writers are inherently super i think most of them are incredibly analytical and they they let ideas permeate in their heads. So it just makes sense that they are going to be affected and impacted by both the good and the bad that's yeah. out there in the, into the world. Right. I mean, they're, they're, so. they're staring at a screen all day, blank pages. Like she said, the, 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 the that first blank page is one of the scariest things. And it's, it's, so they're just, unless they have pets or, or studio mate, there really isn't anything. It, it's just the sound of their own voice yeah. in their own head. So I, I almost well, made a joke about how she should just let chat GPT write her solicits from now on. But then I thought, like, <laughs> 
She's clearly feeling some kind of way about AI. Yeah, she so. is. Especially, well, I mean, considering the artist she's working with, but yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but I know I posted in the Slack that there's been some consternation about um, Secret Invasion and the yeah. opening credits were created by AI. And, you know, I guess, I mean, I'm such a fan and lover of comic art that I definitely understand the frustration. Yep. But I, I, but I, I do stop short of being angry about it in the sense that, like, you know, production art for something like a film or a TV show is already often done digitally or using well, CGI. I'm, yes, and right? so my thinking for, especially for something like Secret Invasion, I yeah. almost feel like it's kind of fitting because this mm-hmm. is a show about imposters. So why would you not have opening credits done by something that isn't human? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my thing. Like, and again, I don't really know the full story, but I did see a yeah. few people that seem to have a really, like, strong take on it on online, talking about how like we we should probably just pick our fights a little bit better in the sense that, like, this one in particular. I mean, Marvel has always used different studios to do their intro mm-hmm. production, so it's not even like a Marvel decision. Like, they hire out, and then again, it's like in this case, it's just another tool. It really isn't any different than using you know, animation tools or CGI engines to, to render the stuff. I mean, it's not like it was hand drawn, it's supposed to be hand drawn and then, you know what I mean? So like, but I get it. I think what it does, it just shines a light on how incredibly nervous creatives are about this stuff. And I, and I do feel for them on that because, you know, I've told you, I mean, I think, I think people can't overstate the impact that AI is going to have on the world. Like, yeah. For good and bad. I mean, I, let me be clear. I think there's going to be a lot of bad from it, but I also think there's going to be a lot of good from it. And there's going to be a lot of change that some will think is good and some will think is bad, depending on your vantage. But I think for sure it's going to change a lot. And and I do think that there will be things, there will be jobs or processes that very much do get assailed from this. I mean, and, and really in every industry, I, I, as you know, I was at a work retreat for much of this week and, and one of our uh, like one of our team, well, our, our lawyer was there. He's not, he's not for us, but he's, you know, he's, he's a partner, a law firm, but he's our lawyer. And he was part of this. And, um, and I was like, just asking him about AI. And he said, it's already wildly important and useful in their, in their, uh, field because so much of their in field is, is looking up casework and precedent and just raw, like researching, you know, pr- you know, like existing information to make sure that they understand the legal, precedent and the and the case that they're making and he said that's just it's just an incredibly helpful and time-saving tool already you know it's but it's it's just an, another evolution of like doing a lexus nexus query right or yeah um you know or like if you're if you, and another person that was there that's on our advisory board is is the head of a um of a of a of a creative agency they're you know, marketing and branding and 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 they're a team of 32 creatives that are very much human and very much are in the business of, of, of being, of using their talents as, and don't have any intention of like let firing anyone on their team from AI. So they're looking again, as like a tool, like they're, they're, they're finding really unique ways to help them just expedite and optimize their process. But like, it's not like they're, anyone's losing their jobs over it. They're just doing their jobs more efficiently, you know, and, and able to do more with, with their time, able to take on more accounts, but like still really do a good job. So like, again, like I don't want this to come off like I'm, telling people that are scared to not be scared because like, I think anyone should be mindful of their, of, of the, you know, the, the, uh, the delicateness of your career. Like I'm, so I'm all for people like 
being eyes wide open with it. But I think we just need to do a better job of like picking our battles. You know, like I think AI as a threat to creatives is worth being upset about and like really making sure we protect them. I think like losing your mind over the secret invasion creators creation, which would have been CGI anyway, being like something that, you know, cause like and the reason I brought it up is cause like, it's like AI is a problem if like there's no human involved. Right. And right. it's just literally taking the job away. That's yeah. not what happened with the secret invasion thing. A team of, highly paid graphic designers at a creative agency that, that Disney hired to make that trailer used an AI engine in their process as humans to help build this thing. Like it was humans directing the AI to make which, this thing, yeah, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems different to me. Yep. Like that doesn't seem like any different than digital comics and using like, like if humans are ultimately saying, okay, make this and then let me see if I like it. Now, now one might argue, okay, yeah, but, in the past, they would have used four different human artists to draw that stuff. Okay, maybe like, and, and I'm here. I'm open to hearing that argument, but like, I don't know, man. It just seems like there's so many legit, like, big issues to get upset about. Like, maybe we need to just like chill out on the very little things. You know, uh, just, uh, like, I agree with you there. Yeah, and it's not like it's it's. I mean, when you think about all of the um, all the different looks, the, the the look of the different Marvel shows we've had so far. I mean the 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 credits for Secret Invasion look a lot different than that from Miss Marvel, than that from Moon Knight, than that from Hawkeye. And I mean, hell, Kagan McLeod did the credits scenes for She Hulk. So I mean, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. what well, you've mm-hmm. had. You've had things that were hand drawn. You've had things that were computer generated. You have things that were digitally enhanced. So it's it's not like they're just doing one sort of like flat style for every single show. Every show is unique and different and has, has, has credit scenes to complement that. And it's, you know, we'll see what happens with the next show after yep. the Marvel's movie. So it, it, I'm not, it's, I can understand, you know, people maybe being a little upset at first or, or, or knee jerk reaction would be, you know, this is just more bullshit and they're taking the jobs, but it just, you have to exhale, step back and, and look at the bigger picture. And like you said, and just, and, and depict battles that are actually a little bit more threatening or worthy of your time. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, like if, if I would hope, and maybe this is naive, but I would hope that if the value of the written word or the value of the visual is like truly worthy of itself, then like AI is a long way from being able to really replace that. Right. There will be some component of it that's soulless and will be not resonate to the audience in the same way, or at least as broadly. And that will help protect. Right. Cause like if like right now, and I've, as you know, I've spent a lot of time last few months really diving deep into this for, for, for the day job. I, I right now, I really genuinely believe that like, it, it like the AI tools that are out there can draw better than me, right? They can write, they can't write better than me, right? Like, like, and so I'd like to think that, that if you're a really talented script writer, screenwriter, what have you, uh, or a really talented, like you, you, you're good. Like you're going to be safe, right? Like you might not be safe for like the stock stuff, but again, like I would argue if you're, if, if, if these things can replace you doing like stock work, then you probably need to be replaced. Then like, what was your real value? Right? Like, like if you're, if you're a pitch man and, and chat GPT can give you 10 logos or, or slogans for your ad campaign that are as good to the end customer as what you were coming up with, you probably got to do your job better. Right? Like that just means like what value were you really bringing? Right? Like, like if like, whereas chat GPT or its competitors are not going to create the next script to the wire. 
They're not, it's not happening. It's right. not, no, they're not capable of it. Right. Like it's like, it's just not going to happen. Now, could it be a, a scenario where like a showrunner can use these tools to help like punch up some ideas and then they can tweak them and fine tune them. So they don't need as many writers in the room or as many, yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Right. And like, we'll have to deal with that when it comes and, and that would kind of stink. But, you know, unfortunately that is kind of the way the world, right. The, the, like the world evolves and moves on. We, we don't, you know, we don't have any anywhere nearly as many people farming fields as we used to because of machinery and technology, right? We don't have as many people working on a factory floor as we used to because of technology. And like, we're generally accepting of that. Like, you're not if you were the factory worker, you're not you're not accepting it. But like, we as consumers, right? Like, we're buying our iPhones, right? Like, we're like we're, we're ordering from Amazon because Amazon's got you know really efficient robots and warehouses that get us their, our stuff really fast, right? Like, so I'm just saying, like, change is not inherently bad. Um, but it does have some unintended consequences. And, uh, you know, as as creatives, we just need to do a good job of, of I mean, as as supporters of the creators, we need to do a, a, just try and do as good a job as we can of, like, giving them other financial lifelines to support themselves in their craft when, when, like, some of these, like, more conventional doors close, you know? Yes. I'll get off my pulpit now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for that one.